As the year comes to a close, it's that time once again for your questions and our answers this week on the Indie Bar Report Podcast. Welcome back to episode number 251 of the Indie Bar Report Podcast. This is the fifth time we're doing a Q&A episode because every year we end the year with it. This time we have somebody new to do the Q&A because Ryan's been here for six months, so that means he hasn't done the Q&A yet. Yeah, um, I've listened to it a couple times, but, you know, it's about time that I fully get thrown in to this nightmare. I mean, this opportunity, this fun episode, recurring tradition, this tradition of the holiday season. The only one I would ever think of. Why did that sound like a tradition? Why does that sound like a, a uh, college freshman when they go for an internship where it's like, I'm looking forward to this nightmare. I mean, opportunity. Mm, same energy, I'd say. Yeah. So in any case, yes, it is the Q&A episode. Time to get going on that because we actually have a decent amount of questions. We got 31 questions. People seem to heed the call put out on Twitter and on Instagram to send in their questions. Got like about a half dozen in under a day from instagram which is honestly surprisingly good when you get like a fifth of your questions in one day on one platform so that's yeah, pretty man. decent I'll it's like that. people wanted to be involved or people were like the last one was so bad that we have to get our own questions in there just to save it hey i'm just as i tell people every year it's their questions that make the episode if the quality is bad do not blame me if you send a question shout out because every year when i was listening i'd be like oh i should send something in be helpful i like those guys like really help them with some content and get a good question answered and then still didn't. So, you know, appreciate it. Exactly. So you're more proactive and do more for the show than Ryan has. I mean, in summary, yes. You're a specimen. Any case, we have, as I mentioned, 31 questions here. We're going to just start at the top of the list, work our way down. I'll admit, I did a little bit of a bad job by not writing down who sent each question, but I assume uh, you know your question if you send it in. Are we doing this for the shout outs on a small indie pod? You, exactly. Do you really need that? <laughs> I hope you hey, do. Let us know if you it do. Makes me feel better. Let us know. Let yeah. us know if you do, because then we'll just do a whole revisit of just credits. It'll be like the end of any YouTube video. And I'd like to thank my patrons who sponsored yeah, right. today's video. Man. Let's get started with the first question. Is there any current plan or plans for expansion into the Southern U.S. possible Southern Indie League? I think that depends on what you consider Southern U.S. I think that's really what it is. Like Tennessee, I would consider, and we obviously know about Murfreesboro. I would say North Carolina has potential just because it's a growing state population-wise, and I feel like you can make something work. Like I'm not saying they're doing this, but like something around Cary. I think could maybe make sense. You have a lot of northern transplants there where I think you could have something there. Now, I don't believe it's a suitable facility right now. So that's obviously a major hindrance. But, you know, I think something like that can make sense. I believe like Louisiana, we know there's been a couple of things there. I think Shreveport was the big one we, we talked about a couple months back too. So something like that, maybe a Texas just because, again, large population base. So something like that, yeah, I would say. As far as like a Southern League, I feel like there's a lot of roadblocks to that, no? Yeah, I do too. I think the number, I mean, they're having troubles 
I'll back it up from the league conversation back to like the Southern expansion on a team conversation, but the difficulty in even finding a couple good markets in there, it shows that I think the league is going to be pretty unlikely. Um, I will say, uh, I mean, I, it seems like the, yeah, Southern expansion is at least being worked on, uh, especially it seems to be the American association aggressively yeah. on that. Um, when it comes to it, I think the Atlantic league is always looking, but I think, they are struggling currently, and it's what we're learning is also hard to find owners for the Atlantic League and solid ones. Different conversation. Um, hmm. The um, the frontier is kind of blocked off because if they're going to do Southern expansion, it's going to have to be kind of down toward Texas because on the East Coast they have the Atlantic League sort of like eating up a bunch of the potential indie ball markets that you would want to go with. It doesn't mean they won't. It just means they would expand south to what we would still consider not the South before they go yeah. actually to the official South. Um, the American Association obviously looks like the most reasonable expansion option because they already have a team in Texas that I'm sure they'd love to have less by itself in Texas with Cleburne. And we know that they've been kicking around Tennessee looking at options. So yeah, uh, that's the only lead we really have so far on that. Um, it's a pretty solid lead, I would say. Yeah. But the... I'm just trying to think through. Uh, we think it, it, a very East Coast bias when we think South. We're thinking Southeastern. Yeah, I would. I, th- West, I kind of imagine is the the direct point of it, but yeah, I would not sleep on the potential for westward expansion by the American Association if that is what they want to do. That doesn't seem to be the plan right now. But if a market were to become available, I wouldn't be shocked if they looked that way. Uh, because we're always talking about like, well, Cleburne would have a different travel situation if there was like a southern pod over there. And then we start talking about southeastern cities. It doesn't mean they wouldn't go southwest. Additionally, the Pioneer League is obviously looking west. They could look south in the near future as well, though I do think most of their expansion efforts will be west and northwest for the time being since they've already sort of taken the first step out on that limb. So they're going to really shore up that that footing out there. So yeah, American Association for now seems to be the only real likely one. Uh, don't be super surprised if the Atlantic League does dig up something, but for now, that's my read on it. Am, am I? Do you think I'm off? Or, or no, I think it's pretty kind of on the same page. Yeah, I think it's pretty much on the same page. The Atlantic League they yeah. need a lot more footing, and they need a lot more to go right. And the fact that you have like one guy owning several teams, and that's the case in a lot of situations, there makes it tougher. Frontier League makes more sense for them to almost go north in a sense. I think because you can go Canada route and kind of create more of a New England and Canadian situation there. And if you're going to go to 20, having one in the west, one in the east, one in the northeast, New England, and then one in Canada seems to make a lot more sense, at least from my perspective, as far as a five, a five, and five. Or if you want to go, say, a four, or a four, 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 and four, where you have like a far west, a midwest, a Canadian north, a uh, northeast and then a more Atlantic region, you could do something like that and then really do like a pot set up here and maybe work something like that. But um, that's a bit more difficult to do to do things that way, I guess, because that you have five divisions. That's awkward. You need a wild card. And that mean two teams have to get a buy. How do you determine who gets a buy? It gets complicated quickly. So whatever there. But more to the point, American Association is really the only one that can fit that mold because if you're in the Pioneer League, you want to go to either New Mexico or Arizona. That's really the only south you can go 
and how many markets really are there, maybe two or three between the pair. So that's not really that attractive. Meanwhile, if you look more like Oregon, Washington, Northern California, it kind of fits the mold a little bit better for potential markets and things of that nature. So there's that. Only thing I will say for a Southern league, and this will be the last one from before you move on to another question, is if you were to wind up in, like, say, a doomsday scenario where, let's say, the Atlantic League collapses in on itself and people start going, okay, we're done with this bull for whatever reason it may be, and you have a team, say, like, a new team in Gastonia, High Point, and some other ones all around there, I could see maybe them all saying, all right, we got, like, four or five kind of southern-ish markets because, I mean, like, North Carolina is southern. Kentucky, I'm not sure I would call south. I think that's a bit of a stretch to call Kentucky south, but it's definitely a border state, so you could get away with it. You toss all those guys into one league if they want to get to, say, eight. I think there's a way you could find to make a southern league with basically southern Atlantic League teams and maybe one or two other markets to toss in there. Mm -hmm. I think that could be a thing, but I also think that's got like maybe a 5% chance of happening. So not particularly likely would be the way I describe that. Agreed. Um, if the Frontier League wanted to expand, they could try to make an expansion. I mean, they're not far from Tennessee also, so they could be looking in the same markets. Um, same could be said for Arkansas. I do think the American and Frontier are the more likely expansions, mainly because they've already shown a willingness, along with the Pioneer League, I'm just saying on the Eastern side, um, yep. a willingness to put a team at a college and play yeah. in a college ballpark, uh, which the Atlantic League has historically had as sort of a policy, not expressly said, but they look for a team that has their own ballpark uh, and mm -hmm. is not sharing on a college campus. So that makes the expansion, I think, far more likely, at least from the perspective of you know what teams would accept or what leagues would accept sort of what accommodations. Yeah, exactly. So I think we answered that fairly well. We'll move on to the next question here which is, do you see there ever being a large-scale formal league for banana ball? Now, this I think we've discussed in the past off-air. So we kind of differ here, and I think realistically our differing point is as to what you determine to be a formal league. And yeah. so if you consider a formal league to be like a banana ball-style team and in a particular city. So the Bananas would be formally playing games, home games, only in Savannah, and then they would travel to, let's say, the party animals who, let's just say for the sake of example, are based out of like Daytona Beach or something like that. I don't think something like that. I think you could see, you know, multiple teams traveling at the same time to a... Uh, to a like neutral site venue for lack of a better term and there may be like a permanent kind of banana ball team in savannah so savannah can always have something i could see that being a thing and i could see there being upwards of th like three or four teams i guess traveling so that way you could say all right we could play a two game type of thing a double header type of thing or switch it up so that way if you go Saturday, Sunday, you could see different matchups. I That I could see. But as far as like MLB for banana ball, I don't see that. Uh, yeah, I, I don't even see it being 
any sort of actual league other than what they kind of have already, which is like they seem to be loosely tracking standings throughout the tour or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. I wouldn't, I'm not, this isn't banana ball hate. I'm actually a fan of what they're doing. I kind of get it. Um, but uh, I worry, let me think of how to phrase this. I think they're officially, I, I know the show is not the same every night. I know there there is a differentiation. However, yeah. I think they have now reached the Harlem Globetrotters point where the people, it's not like they were out there doing it every night in Savannah for like Savannah locals like they were for a while. Mm. This is now people are coming to see them. People are not seeing them more than once or twice, you know, in, in a given year. This is now a performance that you go to see. Yeah. And like the Harlem Globetrotters, you don't really, they're in town for three games. You don't come to see them three times. It's just for the yeah. most part, it's, it's that. So if there was a form, I assume by formal league, it means like there's a team in Savannah, there's a team in Nashville or a team or wherever. Yeah. That's why um, I think it's me. Yeah. I don't think so. I mean, especially because if it is partially, I think the touring model is great for them. It enables more seats to be filled than they yeah. could ever do in Savannah. So they have to give that up in favor of having multiple locations people travel to. I don't know that that's the vibe. And even if it was a formal league, I think to call it a formal league would even be a stretch because it would basically just be multiple locations and venues at which these touring performers are at. And as they expand, they now have a third team, I believe. If they continue to expand, there is, I point out before, some solid baseball talent on the teams. Like, there are some yeah. guys who toured up in the Atlantic League where they're tearing up too. Shout out Reese Hampton, but like, Jake Skull down there still yeah. hitting bombs. Like, um, but as they continue to expand, it's going to continue to water down the talent level and you're going to get more performers, which is, again, fine for what it is. That's not hating on it. But as, as like a, not legitimately, but like as a formal league, I just don't, I think it's not like, I don't think it's what they want. Yeah. And that's the biggest thing. I think if they wanted that, they actually probably could make that work. They would change the vibe of it, change how they arrange the performance style. They change a bunch of things, but I don't think it that is the what they want model. from a business perspective. Exactly yeah. right. Yeah, the model is to be more baseball entertainment and not baseball games. So the, really the concept of having a formal league with stat tracking and really having the end goal of the season be to win some sort of championship or something like that goes against what the point of the model is. Really, the point of it is we want to draw the biggest crowd we can every night and give them a baseball experience that is very reminiscent of what the Harlem Globetrotters are for basketball. The circumstances and formation are different, yeah, but overall, it's not about winning. It's about entertaining and i think that's really the key difference here and understanding that difference is the key to understanding the question which is they have no desire for a league because having a league wouldn't help sell and right exactly the only people that are going to be won over by a league are people that aren't interested in banana ball to begin with so great point exactly so you're hitting a different audience there with doing the league so yeah the the answer to that i think would be a fairly solid no uh but any case, uh, next up is what is happening with Gastonia? I'll let the Gastonia um, guy handle that. We do have some new news this week. New news. Um, right now, I mean, nothing that I'm seeing has led me to believe they will not be announcing a new owner in the first half of January. 
I know there's some sort of fight over bankruptcy hearings in court that like the like Bellamy and his company are still fighting through this, whatever. From what I understand, I mean, they don't have a team. Um, with the fact that they like the they are nothing they do with the bankruptcy court and the and the claims around that legally. I don't think any of that will undo being kicked out of the league, which again, based on kind of what I'm finding, seems to be not being in the Atlantic League seems to be what lost them acts like yeah. the agreement and the lease they had with the stadium. So either way, I, I don't know that the fight that the company is putting up is necessarily even related to the team. I had a couple people reach out about that and were like, well, does this mean this is going to slow up a new owner coming in? I don't think so. I think they're going to move right forward with this. I, I don't have any reason to believe that. I I have it on multiple good the, the people have been good and reputable and accurate sourcing throughout this whole series of events are the same people who are telling me early January ownership uh, announcement, Atlantic League. Uh, the Atlantic League is moving forward with the team in Gastonia. That it's on all their schedules. There, yeah, there's a placeholder logo, but that's they. It's only because they know there will be a team coming and there will be a brand coming. It's just that they don't have it right now, um, and they can't announce it yet. So, uh, that is what I know. I would be very surprised at this point if there was no team in Gastonia this year because it's just they are fully invested on that side, on that, and we're not seeing any sort of hedging by the league to look back at Frederick, which. I think would be the obvious. Yeah, that was, was going like to be 60, 40 or 70, 30 chance that, you know, it would be fine. They would start kind of making sure something, might, but uh, it doesn't seem to be the case at all. Yeah. That was going to be my follow-up question. I've definitely gotten asked before, like, yo, is the Atlantic league going to go to Frederick? Now the the honey hunters are kind of bankrupt because, you know, they're listed. I think at one point they were listed on, and they still are listed on the, uh, club's page of the website for the Atlantic League, but there is no Gastonia listed, but Frederick's still listed. Mm. So, I know that prompted something. I don't really think that means much. I think that just goes back to the Atlantic League sucks updating their website and reading anything yes, more that into it. It's just kind of not great because if you remember, technically that team isn't called Frederick anything. It's called Spire City. Right. So, mm -hmm. it, in reality, it should read Spire City right before Southern Maryland and right after Long Island. That's what should be the mm -hmm. case there. Also, it's still as Hagerstown baseball as a thing as opposed to flying boxcars as a Hagerstown right. thing. So, um, yeah, that's all thing. And also, when you click uh, the Frederick link to, it does bring up the uh, Go Ghost Town site, but it's 404 not found. So, you know. Mm -hmm. Well, I should say, yeah. when you bring up the actual site, it does, but the link that you click it's a dead link. But yeah, it's, it's bad a yeah. website updating. Yeah. And also, it still does have the pop-up when you go onto the uh, formal site when you got to clear out all the other crap behind the link to say, see you in 2025. So it, I mm. don't think at this point. Plus, it's you know, the dispersal draft and everything. So Frederick just is not an option. And the lack of a dispersal draft for Gastonia. Yeah. You could just seamlessly yep. one-for-one it. Essentially, say, hey, as far as baseball is concerned, baseball ops are concerned, you're just going to basically be Gastonia, but you're not going to be Gastonia. Yes, there you go. It's an easier one for one. On that note, any update on Lexington? Hmm. Um, this is one that I'm more in the dark on. Um, 
I was trying to think through where we were at on our last update on the pod on that, but I really, it's that uh, the last update was Lexington no longer seems to have a logo that is being used. If you look at, I think it was the Barnstormers or maybe Long Island's schedule. They had a, I think it was Long Island's schedule. They had Lexington and Gastonia, both with like generic placeholder logos, which means the counterclocks I would assume are gone, or I would assume at least there's a new owner coming in who will probably be getting rid of it. My guess is that's where I start to go into the rumor because I've been hearing multiple things from multiple people. Uh, some people say Alan Stein's coming back, who's the former original owner of the team. He owned with uh, the Shays for a time, and then he was, I don't know what happened all there, but that's a, another story entirely. Yeah, but um, Island's team with the uh, placeholder for both of them. There you go. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so if you pull up like, Long Island's club. schedule, the logo on the bottom, they have a logo for each team. That's where they have it. Um, huh. So the one rumor is it's going to be Alan Stein, but that rumor has not been as popular. The other one is it's unidentified, some other owner coming in. It, what seems to be this current owner is out, and they've been on their way out for quite a while since probably at least mid-season, I would say. That's when a lot of the reno efforts seem to hit pause and all that. So, uh, again, I think they were screwed over from the jump, didn't understand what they were getting into fully. I think that a pre-existing relationship, maybe even with Andy Shea, and he wasn't fully honest with them, they expect them to be. That's a different conversation. I'd be interested if there's a lawsuit from that. But different, different, different. Um, yeah, right. Different. Keeping it focused when it comes to Lexington baseball, I assume Lexington baseball will, for many of the same reasons as the Gastonia answer, uh, Lexington will be in the picture for the Atlantic League in 2024. I think they are up in the air with all the turmoil they've had. Once their contract with the, their initial contract with the Atlantic League is up, I would not be surprised to see them move on from each other. Frankly, um, uh, trying to see if there's any other dots to connect in there. The other one was I I would fully expect the legends branding to return if it is a new owner we don't know i think it just makes sense that though there's a better chance that they go back to the counterclocks for a year if it is alan stein i think his mustache was what started the legends logo and all that and he was the one who despite it not winning the fan vote to start the organization in the first place back in the 90s he was the one who was like it's going to be the legends i guess and he was in that group at least so I, I assume he'd go back to that and he would all the marketing would probably be around like returning to, you know, better run days. Cause if you ever look in the <laughs> pretty aggressively negative Lexington social media comments uh, for the team, it, it tends to be, uh, I used to love it there, whatever. It's a shame that like the original ownership left and now it's this and like a lot of references to the way it used to be. So, I think that that brand and that team, that organization is really buried with the community at this point. I think they're, they're done with it, but I think bringing back that original owner would be the most likely way to make a successful story out of this mess. So I'm hoping for that. Honestly, I think that would be the best way to get them on track. All right. So that seems to be a fairly cohesive way of doing that update. And hey. Continuing. Yeah. Any case, uh, next question is: <laughs> Can you update the coaching carousel? And then there's a follow-up here Ooh. of what are some of the best jobs still available? I'm tempted Ooh. to almost say, let's put a pin in this one, and then in like mid-January, in a couple weeks, just do a full episode dedicated to checking out the coaching situation with each team. I'm tempted to do that. I, I'd like to do a whole report card one of like grading it for each. Like we did with um, 
with Mark Minakazi and uh, Stan Island back in the day, grading it for both the team and the manager. I think that'll be a fun one. So we should do that. Yeah. But let's a quick scroll through. Um, the I'll update what the openings are just okay. to get that, that out there. That's a pretty Gastonia, fair. That's a fair way of doing it. So that way we go through it. I would assume Gastonia, though Goose yeah. has not announced on their draft somewhere else. I would assume Lexington on every level because Barry Lyons was will not awful. be back. Um, Hagerstown is gone. New Jersey, I believe, is still open. Yep, New Jersey is um, open. Question mark on Sussex. Sorry, city is filled. Sussex is a question mark. Um, I believe that's it. Everything in the Pioneer is filled, except for a uh, new team in California, which we, uh, we know they already have a manager, though. Yeah, I don't want to announce it just because teaser, I don't want to spill their thunder, teaser. but yeah, no, I had like three different people tell me that. So that way I can cover my like couple of really like consistent sources with the two other ones. But yeah, so just following up here, like looking frontier wise, this is swinging back to the manager discussion of things. Rivers is covered, Tri City is covered, question mark on Sussex. We know Quebec's good, we know Ottawa's good, we know New York's good. Opening in New Jersey, we know New England's good, Windy City's good, Washington's good, Schomburg's good. I assume Lemieux is back in Lake Erie. Have not heard one way or the other there. Joliet still open, I believe. So that is a question mark. Yes. Yeah. There's a question about that later on. So I'll leave that. Damn, that was a complete oversight by me. Yeah. Uh, Gateway, that one's filled. The Mm -hmm. Yalls, are we thinking they're bringing uh, Rhodes back? Right, because Rhodes. Yeah, I I think I just saw him on their marketing too. Okay, yeah. yeah, So he's back. I believe I did. Fargo's good. Kansas City's good. Cleveland's good. Uh, Chicago is good. Gary uh, Lamar should be back. That's the expectation there. Samus should be back in King County. Mongo's back in Sioux City. Brett Jody back in Lincoln. Myers in in Sioux Falls. Lake Country will retain the guy that I forgot his name, but joined halfway through the year. Uh, Barone's going to stay in Milwaukee. And then uh, Watkins in Winnipeg. So they're all good over there. We already mentioned everyone the Pioneer League's filled. And we ran through the Atlantic League. So, yeah, that leaves what you said. Joliet, New -hmm. Jersey, Lexington, and Gastonia. And possibly Sussex. Possibly Sussex, yeah. Which I, here's the thing like, Widger has. A contract through. Yeah. But I true. There's been enough question marks around where I don't know if he's back. I I guess to say he's back. To say he's just just has to put out like, something that says, Did you yeah, he's guess who's back in town? Guess who's like just say something. Anything, something. It it's kind of weird not mentioning him at all. Yeah, but like at the same oh, time, it's also not that abnormal to like, why would you announce the dude's back if he has a multi year contract? Yeah, I guess. Uh, you're right. But uh, also at the same point in time here, I could have sworn I seen something as though that was an opener. That I said, could have sworn I heard a rumor that, um, yeah. well, someone might be coming back to manage one of those teams. I well, will sir. say Jared Lemieux is listed on what appears to be an updated uh, lineup and staff sheet for Lake Erie. Okay, so he's probably back. That's a safe bet. Yeah, I was gonna say Which for what he felt right. He felt yeah. right. Yeah, for a first year manager, I don't think it went that bad. 
No. I think yeah, went I didn't hear anything. Yeah. Plus, it, no one was there DMs about it. <laughs> exactly. So like, you know. plus it went well. And uh, I believe they got a couple of guys signed too. So that's a yeah. positive too. So you're getting guys signed. That's going to be positive. But uh, moving forward, how does the Pioneer League's California expansion compare to the Atlantic League's adding Sugarland? I thought you had a fairly decent comparable, I think, mm. but there are a couple of major differences between the two of yeah. them. Most notably, I still think Sugarland's further away from all the other Atlantic League teams that were there at the time of the expansion. That's first off. Secondly, yes, pretty significant difference. Yeah. Secondly, Sugarland had a ballpark that was built for baseball and they were looking for a league. And just so happened the Atlantic League won that out in hindsight. I think a cultural fit would have been better with the American Association, but they wanted originally to have a double A team or better. Obviously, now that worked out for them now. I mean, they got what, triple A team there now? So yeah. it worked out in the end. But when they couldn't get the affiliate team at first, they went to the next best thing, which was the Atlantic League at the time. And so that was just kind of the decision there. If they weren't dead set on having the highest quality of baseball league wise, just because, again, cap's different and there's no roster restrictions, then the American Association would have been a better bet, I think, just because you would have had those other Texas teams there. You would have had a better travel situation. Not great, but better than having to, you know, mm-hmm. fly out that much and then play two weeks of home games and two weeks on the road and then two weeks of home games. That's just not a good situation not a good set up there. So no. um, that all said, that's a major difference there with Oakland and then the other NoCal expansion. They're going to probably be, or they're definitely going to be in pre-existing ballparks, ones that weren't built for professional baseball. So that's a big difference there. Quality of play and overall quality of talent is going to be a bit different. What they're looking to attract is going to be different. And also, again, the circumstances are different. You had one team, or one city rather, in Sugarland that is definitively a suburb of Houston that was excited to have a ball club, excited to, you know, get a new team here and just really had a pretty much a blank canvas start while in Oakland, it's a sister city to San Francisco that's having a team ripped away from them. And this is, I don't want to say settling because as we talked to Tyler, there's actual genuine excitement for this, but it's also coming in the wake of, you know, a major uprooting. So mm-hmm. those are some of the major differences there. There's obviously a lot of comparables, though, too, in the sense of they're each kind of like a satellite team. It's going to a new market. It's going to a very big market, too. Obviously, the Atlantic League getting essentially Houston into their league and, and being able to have a really nice new venue was huge for them. Obviously, adding Oakland in, that's the biggest city that's going to be in the Pioneer League. So there's a lot of potential there. There's a lot of exposure that's been grabbed from both of them. and there's others or other areas that really do compare well, but there's also just a lot of differences there, if not subtly, notably, I should say. Yeah, the ones off the top of my head to confirm, I mean, I believe the closest Atlantic League team to Sugarland was about 1,200 plus miles. Uh, the closest team to Oakland is less than 500. It's about 500. Yeah. Um, I think it is an under perhaps an understated challenge here or maybe it just doesn't need to be stated because it's understood i don't know but it is the fact that when 
High Point was introduced. There were some people, the baseball fans in that area in the Atlantic League, and I do mean High Point, I'm getting there, who probably had heard of the Atlantic League and knew of the Atlantic League. It's close-ish enough. It's around in the surrounding states, whatever. Um, but when the Atlantic League went to Sugarland, you kind of need to tell people, like, so this is the Atlantic League. It doesn't exist here or anywhere really near here, but now it does, and here's what it is. And here's a major leaguer, and he, he plays on this team now. And you're like, cool, okay, like, I'm into it. You got Roger Clemens hanging around or whatever the hell is going on there. Like, all right, we can vibe with it. Um, when you look the other way at it, at uh, the Pioneer League's challenges, still the challenge of being like, you're starting to put out the, okay, so here's what the Pioneer League is, and here's what Indie Ball is, and, and how this all fits together. I'm sorry, Partner Leagues is the Pioneer League. We still like to refer to them. Um, here's a bunch of 20 to 25-year-olds you have not heard of who are going to play. And it's going to be, I know you're used to MLB, but it's going to be good, we promise. And, like, that's not hating on the Pioneer League. It, that is always the challenge of the Pioneer League, and that's what they embrace. They know who they, who they are, and they've done a damn good job of making that work in several markets. Um, but it is a different challenge for sure. And I think that is probably something that's slightly overlooked and, and definitely is a big difference maker between the two. Uh, last, I would say um, it is a big market. Yeah, but Sugarland's not really small. That's, I mean, it's a suburb. doesn't matter. Um, I guess you kind of hit it. Other than that, I, I do think little things like transportation, because if they are planning to fly a bit and they're not flying that often, they're only taking like a few road trips that need, require flights. But um, I don't necessarily know what all the, if they're flying directly in some of the towns or not, that's going to be an interesting one. It, the nice thing of the Atlantic league is they are mostly in towns where you can fly right on in. If you have to, um, that was always the selling point of, if you want to manage or do baseball operations on Atlantic league team, it's nice and easy. Like even Lexington, you just fly people right into town, Lancaster, all that. You got airports around you, but uh, Pioneer League, I could see it being a different challenge, getting flights from where to where to land in your town. So that's yeah. everything entirely. But yeah, I think you basically nailed it with the, I think the understated challenge, as I said, of introducing a totally different form of baseball to a market that might not even be aware of it. Yeah. Also, just one little cleanup point. As of the time of expansion for Sugarland going into the Atlantic League, the closest team for their first year in the Atlantic League was Southern Maryland. Yes. And that was 1,438.1 miles, also known as so a nearly, 21 hour drive. Nearly three times the distance as Oakland to the closest Pioneer League city. Yes. Damn. Not great. Which, once again, I'm, never mind, doesn't matter. Put a, no, nope, not I'm going to say. Put a Pioneer League league team in Casper. Get weird. Who cares? Anyway. Next question stays in the Atlantic League with Mark Mason has managed five years in the Frontier League, nine in the Atlantic. Over the course of those 14 seasons, he has only produced four winning seasons. They praises 606 Atlantic League wins and ignore his 611 losses. What makes him a great choice to manage Hagerstown or anywhere else? Mm. What am I missing? Ooh, damn. I don't That's really... Something, did yeah. I write this question? That no, feels like something I would say. No, no. I think I know who... I would say all valid points. I would also question Mark's results. I would also caution anybody from overanalyzing the simple win-loss of uh, Indie Ball Manager's results because 
there is great fluctuation between organizations on how much they emphasize winning. Long Island is about winning. Some other teams in the league are more about winning as long as we're making a profit. Like business first, baseball second, as long as the product's watchable. So, you know, and look, he was in York for a while, and York, as I've heard, is not always the best with their... The players don't always love coming back to it. Some do, some don't. Depends on your experience there. That's not anything bad about York. It's just that that's part for the course in the ball. Uh, I will say, I think I said this exactly on the pod before, which is uh, York is a very chatty fan base. I've been to plenty of York games. It's one of the teams between them and Lancaster that are in my backyard that they will talk to you and they will they will yell to the field their thoughts as well. And I've found while Mark's managing decisions sometimes get questioned, there's between Lancaster and York on any given night, several thousand people who are happy to call the bullpen at any given time. Um, big pitching change communities. But I think I've maybe heard one or two words like ever about Mark as not being like a good dude. Like he is personally well liked in a fan base that does get FaceTime with their manager and they are aware of him being out in the community and all that stuff. So he for a new organization, a guy with lots of connections, lots of experience, lots of um goodwill around the game. And you know, you don't put him in charge of the Grays without being confident he can handle the challenge of a travel season. And, you know, have the mentality for it and the patience for it. And the young kids he had to manage while doing it. I think it's he's a guy who can roll with the punches and he can help out and connect you to players and people when things are tough and you're just still going through the the rigor of the first season having a team. You also don't want to have to bring you know, multiple people in your front office to a screeching halt to work on the fact that, hey, we need a catcher tomorrow. Like Mark's got it. Mark can handle that kind of thing. So... I think that's why I agree. There are managers maybe who would be more qualified, but I, and I would not. Yeah, I, I can't argue with that. I, but I would say Mark as a whole is enough to qualify him as a good decision. Maybe not the only good decision, but as a good decision to make. Yeah, I was going to say more or less it's his demeanor in the clubhouse. The fact that he's liked, that's a huge thing. And mm -hmm. also the fact he gets out into him, like you said, it's less about the actual baseball itself and more about the fact that he's going to create a good foundation for the organization as a whole while also keeping the team, generally speaking, competitive. A guy that's five games under 500 tells me that he has had some really bad seasons, some really good seasons, but most of them, you're going to stay around that 500 number. And frankly, mm -hmm. if for your first year, you build a good rapport with the community. You build a good rapport with the players. You have a guy that can, you know, like it's like you said, Ryan, handle a lot of the roster decisions and handle a lot mm -hmm. of the roster construction to free up the rest of the front office, baseball ops, community ops, all that business up to do their job and again help to just build for a better year too and work out any of the kinks to come up and really start to get a feel for it, then that's in and of itself worth it, worth the hire. And so the reason why for Hagerstown is because it's just, it's a safe hire, I guess is one way of putting it. But also at the same time, for other teams, 
he's just like a good hire. We've seen a lot of really disastrous manager decisions across mm. a bunch of teams, especially some of the newer teams. Just saying, you know, looking at Staten mm. Island, they kind of dug in there. New, especially new teams getting managers haven't done any ball before. Exactly. So you get a guy that knows what this is like. Isn't his first rodeo? It's just overall better to go with somebody like that for the first time. Now, say five or six years down the road, you have a fan base built up. You have your fan favorites that are going to keep coming back. That you, I don't want to say you're selling merch with these guys on it because not a lot of teams really do player merch per se. But you have you know guys that your fan base can relate to. Long Island has their guys. Somerset had their guys. You know, Lancaster had their guys. York has their guys. Every really well-established team has like two or three guys. I think a point was like, oh yeah, he's a legend for this team. If Mark mm-hmm. can get you those two or three guys, and then let's say five years down the road, six years down the road, if still are like, you know, a 495 winning percentage yeah you can make that change the foundation's been built everything's all well and good and you could take a take a swing take a home run cut at that next hire but in the beginning you're better off choking up on the bat and trying to get a base hit just get on base agreed and that's what i said when some people asked about the mark minikazi hire because mark's record is like 460 winning percentage something like that in fairness like draw that's it. I mean, they're going to Staten Island, where Staten Island already reinvented itself, essentially, roster-wise, twice in two years while fighting every other battle uphill, seemingly. Mm. So get a guy who knows how to build a damn roster, has done any ball before, and knows what they're doing. Like, take one concern off your plate at least for a year or two. I think that's a good call. Um, yeah, I, I really got nothing else on that. I, yeah, um, I think I'm content with that. <laughs> We're on the same page, too, so I always feel better about it. Yeah. All right. So uh, next one up. Why doesn't the Atlantic Frontier or Pioneer Leagues develop production standards for Flow Sports broadcasts? Now, I think you would know better than I would on this one, but it's my understanding that each team is still responsible for constructing their broadcast and producing it. It's just Flow Sports streams it. So as opposed to streaming to say like YouTube or Ustream or something like that, it's just through flow sports. So it would be Agreed. more of a directive from the league level down to each of the team front offices to say, all right, create a unified brand for all this and run with that. Which obviously in the issue that creates there is the league would have to develop all the production graphics and bring pretty much a production guide and then distribute that to each of the teams. And then each of the teams would have to teach that to whoever's in charge of their broadcasting. So I guess their broadcast coordinator. And then from there, the broadcast coordinator would have to teach that presumably to maybe one other seasonal employee that helps run it, that actually knows what they're doing. And then to the interns from there. So the long and short is the edict will be kind of hard to pull off. Plus you also have to contend with each ballpark has different technology as to what they can and cannot run out. So you have to find what's the lowest common denominator for all of it and then run with that. And then you'll have some teams that are capable of doing a better broadcast, not want to do the thing that, you know, is, for lack of a better term, beneath their tech standard and may harm their brand. So they're not going to want to do that. So that's part of that deal. The other part is, I mean, yeah. yeah. Uh, So you are right. Uh, Essentially, Flow Sports is like the platform. Um, yeah. It was literally the platform. Uh, yeah. So they are not the ones doing you know, hands-on um, 
production of things. So like when it's a bad production, you can blame Flow Sports for the price, but you can't blame them for the work. Um, or for the product, I guess, whatever. But uh, so this is actually, I think, a bigger conversation as well. So I'll I'll just hit it at the same time. Yeah. The thing is, leagues should, and this you can say this from Pecos to the MLB, like to the MLB hated it, not what I was hoping to say. Um, but Pecos to MLB, there need to be standards on much more. Like they're your league, the Atlantic League should have standards on player housing. The Atlantic League should have standards on, um, frankly, umpires. But that's a different conversation too. Um, standards on like merchandise availability. They should have standards on um, just basically anything you say. Like it's not just flow sports, but for the production quality, I agree. And for all of those things, and the reason I bring them together is all of those things. It will come down to the bottom line. It, it is. It costs money. To uh, if you set the standard, I'm trying to think what's the best broadcast in the league. Could be Long Island, could be Lancaster. One of those. Um, no shade if you're not one of those. It's just they're the most consistent ones. They've been doing it forever. Um, it, it, those are probably up there as two of the best. So if then you're like, well, Gastonia, so you need this. Like we're looking like multicam. We're looking uh, for like a broadcast team, not just a radio broadcast. Like this and that. Like here's what we need. So like. Now, from that perspective, Long Island has to pay zero to reach the standard. Gastonia has to pay several thousand to reach the standard, probably even a little bit. That's maybe an understatement. Yeah. Like so, so okay, is that being split among all the clubs? Because a lot of clubs aren't going to be happy about that. Is it not? Well, then Gastonia is really not going to be happy about that, as well as the other clubs that need to spend to do this. And that is where you hit the. Um, that is. Yeah, that's where you hit the the line on just about everything uh, when it comes to like even the player housing standards and all that. It's you know, it's getting everybody on board, figuring out how the, that's going to work financially. Uh, if you have the same, you think about it like weird ones, like even when it comes to standards. Okay, now say I need to pay for another camera operator. It's like okay, that costs more. That costs a different amount in Long Island than it does in Charleston. Like just weird stuff. Like there's so many complications in it. I, yeah. I, despite those complications, I think you need to figure it out and get it together and, and get it right. Uh, however, I do understand where the holdups are coming from. If that was a way to answer that, I guess. Yeah, not to mention too, as far as standards go, too. One thing I'd just like mm -hmm. to add in there too is you have this kind of constant push and pull between the brand of the league and the brand of the team. And what teams would rather have their brand be stronger as opposed to the league be stronger? Because there are certain teams right. that they don't have any other... It's almost like college football in the sense of there are certain teams that are in a Power 5 conference that uh, if that conference didn't exist anymore, they would not be uh, competitive in the least bit and their brand and university as a whole would suffer. Same thing with indie ball. There are certain teams in each league that are like, if this league goes under we're screwed because we can't afford to go somewhere else. We're not talented or large enough or successful enough to have someone be willing to inconvenience themselves for us. And we don't have enough clout to form our own thing. So it would essentially be death or I suppose you could go summer ball, but I mean like that's a different situation entirely. And in that point, you probably got to re drastically reduce your staff, which means, you know, you're going to have a lot of very unhappy people who, you know, are about to have their whole lives uprooted because of it. So mm -hmm. 
if you're one of those smaller teams, you're probably like, yeah, you know, well, let's promote the league more and be better on the league and try to better our brand by association with the league. And you're also going to be much more in camp of the league should be in charge, so we should all kick in a certain percentage, and then that should be distributed to the poorer members of the league. As opposed to if you're a bigger brand that pretty much can say, we're here because it's our best fit for now, but if something better comes up, either we're going to get more influence in this league or we're going to go elsewhere, then, hey, you're probably like, I don't care about the league brand. I don't want to spend more money than I have to. And if I have to spend money, I want to be bettering myself with it. I don't want to help out some, you know, welfare club. I want to help out my own club. So, you know, that that's also part of the push here. It's how many people are team players and how many people are looking out for themselves. And frankly, I don't necessarily think there's a wrong approach to that either way. I agree. And there are perks if you were to help out the other teams. Like, yeah. I mean, there is a constant back and forth of whether you send your broadcaster on the road. Uh, some of it's availability based, some of it's, you know, other things. A lot of it is using the other team's stream and then sort of broadcast, like, uh, over it. the radio. Yeah. Right. Uh, so that's, that's been part of it as well, where I think it would be at least nice at the very least to be able to, <laughs> to trust the production standards that you're going to be working with if you're doing that are good yeah. as a broadcaster. On the other side, I mean, hey, just to say, like, you can you can catch Game of Flow Sports. It's on Gastonia's broadcast, and you can know that you're sending your fans to a quality broadcast that's not making your organization look bad by even being associated with it. Mm-hmm. After basically having your fans pay X amount of dollars for that, yeah. So thirty bucks a month. So to answer the question, uh, it's not really on Flow Sports to have the standard, uh, right? And I will say one last point before we go to the next thing. You said Lancaster, and then uh, like Island is the top two. All I was thinking in my head was somewhere High Points fall into their knees in the parking lot of a cookout. No, High Points broadcast is very good. They're right about that. Uh, there's, I don't know if it's as good as it has been, but it's very good. I, I from my perspective, I was thinking uh, just the, the track record of quality that come with like how long Lancaster and Long Island have been in it. And like Fair. those broadcasters and their teams, it's it's not exactly it, it's not like High Point has now put together two very strong seasons back to back with very good broadcasts and like they're really like seemingly like almost live some nights highlight clipping and posting, which is really good work by them. But yeah, High Point's broadcast is very good. My bad on only focusing on Atlantic League there. It was just easier to compare Atlantic League. I think feel like the high is very high in the Atlantic League, the low is pretty low, so it's easiest mm. to talk about them when it comes to variation, and that's the league I know the most about trying to find standardization. Sorry, American Association. It, it is very similar, though, when it comes to the American I Association. Mean, oh, no, not the Frontier League. Yeah, the Frontier League, but the American Association, I still love that they do their own thing. That's great work. Right. Anyway, moving on to uh, the next one. What are the viewership numbers for the three leagues, and who are the top ten teams? A thing that's kept under uh, lock and key by a lot of teams, yeah. but you definitely can find them if you dig hard enough. I've finally been getting some sourcing on that. Okay, so the viewership numbers are extremely difficult to come by. Um, I would, uh, because it, what does it mean? That's a bigger thing. Is like without context, it's hard. So what I can give you based on like I've got about half dozen sources now. I've been willing to talk about this finally. 
most teams are seeing about an 85% drop off in viewership from their last year before flow sports to their first year with flow sports. So if you want to get an estimate, you can go through and figure out the viewership. There is some fluctuation there. Like obviously like it, it was different between the YouTube viewership that the Atlantic had going on, which was nice and accessible uh, versus some others with paywalls. But you can get a ballpark estimate usually from going from no paywall to front to flow sports at on average an 85% drop. And I would say the smallest drop off I've seen talking to somebody has been still about 80%. So almost every single one of them, it's been 80, 90% drop off um, between the, as I said about half dozen sources I've talked to about this. So I, I don't have exact numbers. I don't have an exact ranking of it. I would love to, Oh, I would love to analyze it all day. There'd be charts. Um, maybe someday if you have access to that and have found your way bounced out of a league or a team or just do not care and wouldn't be willing to anonymously source that, you know where to find me, but that is what I'm seeing. And if you are in an organization and without, you know, giving away anything, you are finding that that's not accurate. You are seeing much different results. Please let me know. Cause I'd love to know that and to look into what you're doing differently. Yeah, that's pretty much it. 85%. Dude, that's crazy. Is it though? Like obviously it is, but like, isn't that shocking of a drop off though when you go from either free or cheap streaming to high expense streaming? Because I don't no, think it's that crazy. I, like, I think it's about what we expected. Yeah. Um, so I did. I did do a little bit of the math, like sketching out. So I took a team. They were sitting around. I was like, it was called nine thousand to ten thousand views per month on YouTube. Um, then I brought that back and it was like, um, where did that end up? The next question was, okay, if you have 9,500 views, how many of those are the same views every game? So it was like, um, that was like three or 400 views per game, like 350 ish per game. How many of those are the same ones day to day? You got to figure most, right? There's at least some overlap there. So, I mean, I would say most you're only looking at about, hmm. Like maybe fourteen hundred individual pairs of eyes checking out your team on in a month on YouTube, and that I think is even a little high. But my point being, if you then take that down by eighty five percent, you're looking at like two hundred thirteen individuals per month who might be watching your games. I think that is actually high compared to the numbers I have been seeing. Yeah. I would guess it's more like. 100 to 150 individual people watching any team on flow sports uh any of the in any leagues we're talking about here um and, and i mean what is i don't know was that three thousand dollars thirty thousand no three thousand dollars yeah i don't know it just i'm trying to think what the profit was and if that's even worth it's not there's no way it's worth it but if, well, again, it's the league got money from Flow, as I understand, and they got a good bit because Flow's goal is not to have a ton of viewers; it's to have a ton of stuff, which I hate. But whatever, I mean, like, that's, it's a that's it's modern, a business. This modern business just keep growing. If you just keep growing, it looks good on paper, regardless because of what it actually is. A little bit of everything, there will be something for everybody to pay to watch. Which I just want to point out that. In the past month, we've had significantly more unique listeners than Flow Sports teams get on their broadcasts in a month. 
Oh, that that definitely checks out. Yeah, and like I'm looking here just at like the charts here on download wise for us here, and I'm looking at download wise monthly. We're doing better than even free flow sports uh, was for these teams, which I think that's Damn, being dude. positive for us. We're doing good. How about it? Holy shit! Yeah, nice, we're pretty good. I should probably think about what I say more often. <laughs> hey, after don't more don't change it. It's working. Don't change it. Anyways, uh, yeah, uh, moving on. Next question. I have heard several people refer to Power 5, now Power 4 conferences, as the core of college sports. It's only a matter of time until they start referring to them as the core four. Why don't you copyright the phrase? That's a should. wonderful idea. Yeah, we really should. We should start selling t-shirts. Right. Yeah, with like a little map. Exactly. Like a little map, maybe yeah. like, here's what you do. You go with on the shirt. You have core four, kind of like in, you know your standard like '90s early aughts font, mm-hmm. and then the center you have a globe with stitches across. So it's like a baseball. The globe has it so that it's North America facing out, and a bunch of little stars for each of the teams are. The Indie Ball Nation logo, the stars in it line up yes. with all the teams. I know. So, fun fact true. there. Uh, it's like those FedEx um, no, I, I'm debating whether I want to update that or not, if or if I just want to let that be. Um, though I don't know if I want to expand it all the way out to get a damn California team in there. I don't know how I feel, but um, I will say um, I see my idea on it was a shirt where it's like you know like four and it kind of like like it, as if it's a map, like it kind of like takes the shape of a map sort of thing where it like you know, goes through all the areas that they're indie ball teams, like core. And then like four could be right up into like the new England, like Canada area, reach up there. It could be like, you know, just the number. That was my thought on it, but you know, Hey, that's not design search. Isn't my specialty. So, um, I don't know. Let's see. We're going to workshop this. A wonderful idea. A truly wonderful idea to trademark that though. Um, any event, We'll move on because we do have a good amount of questions to get to. I'm very happy we got this many. But uh, they ask, I was at a game this season that Ryan also attended. I didn't want to pose since he was with his wife and some friends. Don't worry. I impose on him and his wife all the time, uh, mainly every week, you know, for like hours on end. Don't worry. We'll be helping to pay for the divorce. Question is, would he mind if I came over and introduced myself if I spot him in the future? No, he wouldn't mind at all. No, I, I legit wouldn't. I'm going to interject to say there is, I think, Core 4 might already be trademarked by the damn Yang. Yeah, I don't care, man. I mean, what I usually say is, like, if I'm out, like, with my wife or friends, like, usually, like, aim to keep it brief, and I'll, like, like to play it safe. Just be like, well, I'm just saying hi. Like, you can always say hey, man. And we're all good. Always say hi. But, um, but like, you know, if I if I am kind of like, all right, well, like, we'll catch up or whatever, like, don't take offense to it. It's usually that, like, uh, a promise has been made that would just be like me and her or whatever. But like, no, you can always feel comfortable saying, Hey, I'm, I try to, I try to remain approachable whenever I can be. I'm, I'm not that moody. Right. Right. Never mind. Don't answer that. Um, all I'm going to yeah. say is you're always, always say, Hey, you're always say, Hey, just don't be offended. If I'm, you know, not inviting you to hang out longer. It, it isn't a you thing. It's usually about, um, you know, my own commitments or schedules or whatever. Just make sure you bring nooners. Oh yeah, drinks are always welcome. Maybe we'll see. Actually, don't make that assumption because a lot of days, I, I a lot of times the deal is, especially if I'm with my wife, that I'll, I'll drive and then she can like test out the the uh, the drinks at the bar and see what's good and what's not. 
So uh, it's the best way to drag her out to a 90 degree Sunday afternoon game that I'm highly invested in. So I'm probably not as conversational as I should be. Let's keep it flow sporting and move on to the next question. What do these indie leagues get for being a MLB partner? If you know, let us know. Yeah, if you know, let us know. What I do know is there's no, um, there's no, like, it doesn't seem to be consistent from league to league because, like, there's always rumors that money changed hands with indie ball owners or, or Atlantic League owners or at least the league and MLB. I don't know about all that, but, like, I think this terms of Atlantic League seem different than, like, for example, the Pioneer League, which had a very different relationship, whereas the whole league got dropped. Like their deal included, I think it made it easier for leagues to pick up their guys for a while there. That's over, as far as I understand. But that's why, like, a lot of partner league, uh, they a lot of guys picked up. Yeah, there was a bunch going on there. So yeah. I would say it wasn't, it's not the same deal for everybody. I'm always told no money changed hands. That would still surprise me, man. I don't know, because that just doesn't seem to be the way the league does business. But also the fact they're willing to walk away from it makes me think maybe. So, but you, or MLB was trying to pay for it. So, um yeah i don't know but i think we're getting very close to being able to not worrying not worry about it very much because i think it's yeah, probably it's running its course end. here but i will say this much i didn't surprise me the atlantic league at different turns because they were the only ones with the rules agreement too so that's a little bit different too so they needed a different setup there other teams were just like yeah we'll do the partner thing but not the uh not the other bit any case, uh, if you could do an episode on a non-indie ball topic, what would it be? Uh, speaking for um, myself, I would probably either go hockey, which we never figured out which team you were going to support. To that's something yeah, we got. Still, still cooking it. We're going to have this answer to you by June, people. I promise. But maybe because I'd probably either say hockey or uh, or film, one or the other. Yeah. Um, it might just be on like general minor league sports, but like that also is one I fluctuate on. Like when, when it comes to how into it I am, um, uh, World War One's a possibility. Got to be honest with you. Got to be honest with you. Um, what else though? Um, yeah, man, I, I got some weird, varied interests that could definitely like see the light of day as a podcast. Either you know, in a hypothetical way or maybe at some point in reality, but, um, the network grows. Yeah. I think that they'll probably, they'll probably be it though. Like, uh, just deep diving <laughs> world war one, just really in, just really like that YouTube channel. The meat grinder, dude. It's going to be like that YouTube just, channel that every day they were like this day in this year of the war, this dude, happened. Dude, it was a great, that was a great concept. I mean, really, hammer home the grind but like, i don't know i was out walking my buddy yesterday just talking about um uh roman empire just well honestly well it did have that vibe it was like all of a sudden realized as we're walking we'd spent 15 minutes just talking about world war one and like the americans joining it and just like everyone else having been traumatized by what just happened the americans being like keep the same plan just charge on in get done and then immediately be like hey maybe we should dig holes it was like <laughs> hilarious like there's so much to it man it's crazy anyway um i would uh yeah that are like abandoned places or honestly just things i've seen because it's recently been pointed out to me that i've seen a lot of weird stuff for somebody who's not 60 
So maybe just stuff Ryan's seen. That could be it. Or rugby. Rugby podcast would be fun. Is that your deer? You That's your deer? Want it? Want it? Yeah, dude. Exactly. Uh, I think uh, I, I live my life in a way that puts me in some weird spots. And I think that might, might be a big, uh, a big factor in that. Yeah. To wrap up the question, though, the only other thing besides like hockey show, which I could quite literally any like any anything like you want to talk mm-hmm. like expansion WHA modern hockey front office side whatever I finished quite like college I could talk about USHL I just about any sort of anything I could just go in depth for a while on um, mm-hmm. film I obviously could do that uh, that one kind of you know no some filmmaking and screenwriting so that's yeah, kind of do that. And uh, the only other one would be maybe just kind of like, maybe like Radio Plays, kind of. You know, like how in the day you used mm. to have like Johnny Dollar and all that. Like, I yeah. kind of get down for that and just like write Radio Plays and shit like that. And obviously the downside is you can't read it straight out. You need voice actors to do that work. But mm. I, could, I could get down with that. I could have fun with that. But. yeah um i would say i could like entertain like um like echl or like obscure like like fcs football i could do fcs football i think fcs football is so good i love it dude crazy anyway we got a sprint football podcast going yeah next question thoughts on boog pal going to milwaukee i think boog's mm, a great signing um, i think he's gonna do very well in milwaukee historically yes. speaking if you can hit for some power in milwaukee you'll have a really good year um, do I think he's like a MVP candy? Yeah, fringe. I think he's a fringe guy. I think he'll be a very good player. I think it's a nice get for Barone. I think he fills a need. I think, um, I think that's really it. I don't think there's a larger trend here. If that's what this question was trying to get at, I think this is more of an analysis question than a you know bigger Rich. picture kind of thing. But you know, I like it as overall design. I think he's going to be a very good and very productive piece for. Uh, for the Mokman this year, um, yeah, needs to he's he needs to be healthy. Got to stay yeah. healthy. Um, he's missed se- about half a season's worth of games or the last two seasons. Um, that uh, that first three forty three season, he, he had three forty three in twenty twenty one between Gastonia and Lexington. I think that was a, in large part due to pitching being down and Gastonia being a, a wild ballpark. Uh, I think that three twelve season in Lexington might even be a little bit high considering he's been sort of on the down trend lately, mm-hmm. but I think he's better than the 285 he put up in Long Island this year. So I would, I would expect to see him back around the 300, maybe a little over 300 uh, in the American association this year. I just, I mean, yeah, I, I think he'll be a above average hitter at worst essentially. And then at best he could be one of, one of the best, if not the best offensive outfielder in the league. Yeah, and I will say too another advantage in his on his health mostly I would say. Yeah, and an advantage to him as well is really I don't think he's an affiliated organization risk. I think at most he's a Mexico risk. So you should mm-hmm. be able to have a decent chunk of the season with him if if he stays healthy. I think that's a really good point. Um, I also don't know if he'd go to Mexico. To be honest mm-hmm. with you, Beyonce up here. Um, <laughs> I don't know, I'm not going to speak for him. I'm just saying, I, I don't know. He's, I, I would be surprised if he hasn't had some opportunity. Um, he, he made some MLB money. Um, 
I don't know that he needs to, he, unless he really wants to. I don't know that he'd go to Mexico. Yeah. Um, so he, honestly, in Maybe that way, it's also designing. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, there's some guys I know who were like, I'm not, I wouldn't really go to Mexico, and then they end up on a, on a team where like, mm, and then they get that offer, like, yeah, I'll go. It's like you know, I mean, like, am I going to a like a kind of a not so great city? Am I going to a team that's dead last? Like, what are we talking here? We're we going to a team that. You know, is fighting for a playoff spot and, you know, is a really resort town, then, you know, like maybe that's a decision to make. Yeah, man. Get to Tijuana. You might be able to stay in San Diego. Not bad. <laughs> but uh, next one up, uh, what is your hottest indie ball take? Mm, buddy. This is the one where you can get in trouble if you wanted to. Because um, there's a couple ways to take that. Hmm. <laughs> Because um, I have two that come to my mind here, which is one's not really a hot take, it's just kind of stating reality, and the other one is more of a hot take. The more reality based one is that there's a severe deficiency in ownership, and mm-hmm. steadily over time, ownership has degraded. Not to say there aren't really good ownership groups or really good owners out there that care about the teams, but I think currently there's too many people that have either bought a team under the expectation that they could make a sizable profit when that should not be a, an expectation walking in, or at least not early on. And the other main group is those that bought a team more as an ego player out of vanity and now are realizing, wait, there's more to it than just owning a baseball club. And as a result, uh, you know, are seeing struggles both on the field, and off the field. I think that's more just stating the reality of it than actual a hot take. Uh, like I said, there are still a good ownership there, but I think more in like the nineties and early aughts, you had people that were like, I want to buy a baseball team because I want to own a baseball team. Cause it'd be cool to own a baseball team and run it. And they were not delusional at all about the fact of this is going to cost a lot of money. And, there's a good chance in most years I'm not going to see a return on that money, but hey, I'm in it because it's fun to do. And this is kind of like some people race cars. Other people go to expensive country clubs. Some travel a lot. I own a ball club and I'm invested in it. And it feels like we kind of moved on from that. Um, the one that's more hot takey is that I think we are rapidly approaching the point where leagues are going to become less and less important and we're going to start to uh, consolidate into more like general groupings, I think. But that's that's one I think I've gone a little bit of a tangent in the past on. I know I've mentioned it before them, like legalist structure is the future on it. I don't, yeah. Um, don't know if you're on that, but I, I feel something close to that, which I can include in my hot takes. Okay, so multiple, multiple takes here. And I can't really pick one, so I'll just kind of put out a few of them. On your take about ownership, I, I mean, it, do you feel I'm correct, at least in my, my, I guess, assertion here that while each league has had struggles with ownership, the Atlantic League has been sort of the, the epicenter of ownership groups flaming out? I think they've had probably, with the exception of, like, say, the Air Hogs, who, you know, folded outright. Right. Um, outside of, like, catastrophic failure like that, I would say, yeah, they, while other leagues, I'll put it like this as a comparison. Other leagues, when their ownership groups go bad, it's like a car crash. It makes the mm-hmm. local news, 
for maybe a day or two. And then maybe if there was criminal negligence involved, the day of the trial and the day of sentencing. And then that's it. It's not in the news for more than a week. The Atlantic League, when things go wrong there, for whatever reason, it feels more like a crane, like either a train derailment or a plane crash or a boat sinking, something like that. That is now national news for a month. It seems bigger and higher. So on that, my hot take on that side is that it is worse than the Atlantic League because there's greed at the top of that league that's costing people. And I think it's a it's now a, a difficult thing to to undo because it's greed at the league executive level of the buy-in for the league and all of that that has caused it to be so expensive to buy in that the stakes are higher. It's hard to find good owners. You chase a bunch out and it puts teams behind the eight ball immediately. Uh, with that, it's also difficult because now every owner is getting kickbacks when leagues teams join or whatever else. And, you know, they all want theirs. So everybody now is like kind of hungry for that money. And it, it creates a, a greed sort of cycle that creates a, a willingness to take on a bad owner that. or whatever else. Exactly. And, and to expand, expand. And it doesn't necessarily make sense. So yeah. I think that's that. Elsewhere, I, I got um, in one of my other ones, I got Indie Ball is a better place for managers and baseball operations personnel to show what they can do than minor league baseball is. Uh, minor league baseball agree. shows that you follow directions and that you can handle logistics. But if you are trying to be a GM or a manager in MLB one, uh, yeah, for a major league organization one day, I think any ball is the way to do it. Cause it's really the only one out there that's actually building a roster. Yeah. Um, I think you can even be the future. Better. I would, Dude, I would not be surprised if in the future any ball is seen as a far more reasonable place to pick front office personnel. And even if you then put those personnel in in the minors or at a complex just to check out what they're like. It's where you, you're not going to go right up to yeah. an MLB thing, but it, it will at least be, well, I think for a lot of time it's been seen as like, oh, you've been an indie ball, huh? Now it is more and more as, as minor league baseball becomes more controlled and structured from the top. It's more it of a parallel to what you're actually going to do at a higher level to interject mm-hmm. as opposed to on the affiliate system where, again, you're not doing the same thing. You're developing guys, and that's it. Like, right. I guess for development sh- staff, though, the, yeah. the MILB thing is still it. But, yeah, I think you need to right. prove yourself on the independent level to say, look, I do have the ability to do this to then be put into an organization to be promoted from there. It can't be like a interjecting at the jump the uh, train line, dude. I think, um, yeah, I'm trying to find the right way to verbalize it. It's I'm damn. I'm I'm starting to find the right words for this. It would be, <laughs> I guess. Shoot, man. I don't know. I like feel like I totally lost what that was. Oh well. Basically, the point is like. I see it as a much different. I don't know. Damn, that's so a bad. more authentic really, place to kind of prove it. Maybe, yeah, and and I think organizations know that. I was able to come up with two more off the top of my head. Uh, the one is the Pecos League is good for baseball, but not good for indie ball. Um, I think it's important to have something like really the Pecos nice, League. Yeah. I would love for the standard to be a little higher. And we've talked about that enough i don't need to talk about it anymore and by center higher I just mean cut down a few teams and i think you're there um but i like 
it is a good point of access for some players. It is a good option to get some professional experience for guys. And that's important because it puts pro baseball in towns that can benefit from it, exposes fans to baseball who might not have live baseball to really watch at almost any level other than high school. Uh, and additionally, these guys, and you see it, I'll say it, you see it more and more. There's a lot of guys who get picked up as pitching coaches and managers or baseball ops or whatever. And you see it down there at the beginning, like a couple of years of Pecos ball. And like it keeps guys in the game who are good for the game. And maybe it's not as a player, and that's fine. But it keeps them in. It gives them more experience. It's a good and they place to fail. To do something. Yes. Indie ball, though, I think is sometimes hurt by the fact that you can go, you see a chain link fence league, sketchy field, bad crowd, mediocre at times talent level. And you go, oh, this is indie ball. And if you're not more aware of the bigger picture, you just go, wow. And it'll forever be Rockmeyer. It will it'll just forever be Rockmeyer. Um, yeah. Last. Uh, well, let's keep her moving because we do have like about a dozen questions left here, to be honest with you. Although some of them are quicker. Uh, why are so many guys getting their contracts purchased now? Meaning, you know, December. I think it's just uh, minor league um, death mining. Yeah, I think that was part of it. I think the other part was I, I think there was the fact that uh, the way it timed out was I got the story about the Atlantic League not renewing with uh, their partner league contract. I wonder if there is sort of a contract start finish line right around that point, maybe like around the start of December. And then with that, like now that it's after that date, that might've pushed it. Cause you did, you see, you saw like, I think it was like a dozen of them. It felt like within a week. Yeah. There's flurries. It, it, it was definitely some sort of date got passed, I think. Um, so that's just what I would guess it is. I don't have a hard answer on it, but I think that's the guess. I mean, I can tell you, I was going to say this contract. Is one. Thing, yeah. I, yeah, and I think this is year one of the Pioneer League not having a different type of deal. I think you might see less Pioneer League guys get signed. So if you're watching the signings closely, keep an eye on that one. Anyway, mm. there's that. Yeah, I, the only counter I would say is maybe the deal starts on Jan 1. And for right now, there's still you know good conditions to be had to purchase a contract now. So as a result, get it in while you can. So that way, if there's a hang-up with the paperwork, you still have a couple of days to, you know, work it out before there's a problem. I would also venture to say that I wouldn't be surprised if these guys weren't on actual rosters right now. And it's just like, hey, they were here last year. And, you know. We know um, they can go to camp and not cause a problem during spring training, fill our, back, our backfield rosters, things like that. Exactly. So it's more like... Uh, not all of them, for the record. Yeah. There are some quality guys getting picked up, but, yeah, there's, but it, there's a lot of them that have that feel. Yeah, they just get to make their, look, our guy got signed post without, you know, them actually being on the roster, kind of. So. All right, moving on. Next question. If you could run any indie ball franchise, who would it be and why? What would your first move be? See, it's kind of tempting to take New Gastonia or New Lexington just because clean slate, you can do whatever you want. You can also say Long Island and just be like, same thing as we've been doing. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of choices there. I low-key almost want to just say Charleston because I feel like that's the most interesting thing. Okay, so probably want to say Charleston just so it's not Andy in control of Charleston because you know how I feel about West Virginia and I also I feel about Andy. Um, the other part of me doesn't want to say too much because I might be 
slow cooking a series on out of the park baseball, taking over an indie ball team with a special corner for off the field marketing every week. Um, but I think I, I like the idea of competing with Long Island. I think it's fun. I think if yeah. you're going to take on, if you're going to take on the dogs, take on the big dogs. Uh, I think Staten Island. Mm. And, and especially because I, I think it's a, not a blank slate, but it is one where there's a sense of urgency. You can get a little wild with it and the marketing can be as fun as you want to make it. And I, and I could really work with it. Um, and honestly, I think a lot of the people in certain spots in that front office also would be down. They seem like they do have some good people in there. So it wouldn't even be like staff turnover type of thing. Cause that's being a part of staff turnover before. That's the kind of thing I think about. I kind of want, it's a bad, I'm thinking like Hagerstown, you know, Hagerstown would just be like such a clean slate to just run with. I don't know which one I pick. I like Stan Island a lot. I like it a lot. I think I'm just going to say Southern Maryland just because it's kind of like out there a little bit. So it's got its own unique challenges, but it's also, you've got a pretty good baseline out there. So you can do a lot with it. And I think as far as like first like decisions would be really uh, keeping the gasoline locked up somewhere so they don't try to light the field on fire again. Right. Yeah. Like I think we got to have some fire would, safety courses. I would say if I have the money for a new stadium, give me the jackals. Mm. Though I do have a, a bit of confidence I could make something with that ballpark, but that is assuming I'm taking it over with all the adequate things I could ever want, which is a whole other can of worms. Since I'm an indie ball owner, probably not. Um, you get three things, and I'm going to pick one that you get to keep. Hmm, right. Uh, a solution to parking. Um, a control over the ballpark rather than it belonging essentially to the school district. Or um, our prior fans having a way to feel safer. I'll give you the most realistic, and that's the parking. Damn. Hmm. I mean, you I ain't getting the school it. board. I'll tell you that but right it, now. Here's my, I know my problem is that was the only one I have really had my own solution for, which I talked about in the past, which is doing the giveaway. Uh, basically having like parking every night sponsored by stop doing giveaways, stop doing giveaway items. No bobbleheads in this ballpark. We do. You want to sponsor something? Parking. That's it. Boom. Done. You know what? Actually, if I get anyone, I'm screwed with the Atlantic League. I ain't touching that. Give me like right? Sussex County. I want Sussex. Uh, yeah, like you Sussex do a lot of good work. stuff with Sussex. I have a ballpark. Yeah, I, I know I'm the primary in. It's still in pretty good shape. There's a lot of opportunity to work it there. I wish I had a wraparound mm-hmm. course, concourse, but hey, beggars and choosers. But I have a little bit of area it's in the in- fencing to do some stuff with. Mm-hmm. I feel like I could go ahead, run some pretty good promotions. Yeah, it's kind of out there. And it's kind of a pain in the ass to get, but I feel like I could definitely win some suburban people over. And as long as I can keep the ship afloat for like another 10 years or so, I feel pretty good about population moving into Sparta. That really isn't that far at all. I feel like I can win that shit over. I think uh, overall, there's a lot of pauses that can be done with that. Just a matter of finding a way to attract them in. So that and also whenever i make my schedule i am making a goddamn point to not have home games on the same day as the county fair because that area gets too crowded and after a day of walking around a county fair i have a feeling that my regular fan base does not want to go to a baseball game 
Mm, that's fair. I was thinking about Lake Country. Yeah, the Dark Country. I think, uh, I think Lake Country is an, an interesting opportunity. Um, I think if you can, I, I think the Midwest is always a good opportunity in ways that people don't necessarily understand. I think um, there's some good. It is really I like anything that has a culture because there's a that, that right there is an easy way to brand and connect. It's like uh, the most dangerous ones are the the any team. Like uh, my suggestion is always if you're looking to involve the team, what teams stay away from are the ones where it's like, frankly, like I think of Southern Maryland as a team where it's just tough. It's so middle. It's is it DC? Is it Maryland? Is it Chesapeake? Is it, it it's it, is it football and crab cakes? That's what Maryland does. Is it? it it's hard to pin it down. So you have to make the team something to everybody and that's a really difficult challenge um i like teams where it's like you can and anybody in the midwest might understand what i'm talking about here like you can lock down lake country really steer into they already have a great lake country dock town like you know like uh midwest lake vibe like up north lake vibe and like then team up with like the bellied up podcast which is like a big like midwest theme podcast and like the you betcha guys like they're funny oh, so yeah, yeah. team up with them bring them in have a good time like like start making those types of connections and get some really creative uh promos going which i'm not as acquainted with how they do promos i like their vibe from just watching their game day atmosphere on on feeds but that would be i think a cool one too um i'm trying to think of a pioneer league one just to show love over there too but I mean, any of them. I love that whole vibe. Uh, we've talked about this in the past. I like the energy. Give me Ogden. Give me the Utahs. Ogden's a fun energy. Ogden's got that thing of like the guy running the show over there. It seems like, you know, he's the one who will just do like a live stream talking about stuff or not live stream. Oh, yeah. Just a video recording. Just a random and in my head, video. I'm like, that feels like a disaster. But the other part of me is like, it could be one of those things where that works there. And if anyone else was in there and tried to be like more legit, it wouldn't play. So I don't. I'm afraid to touch it. Here's the like, reason I, I think, want Ogden. I, think I would like Glacier. I'd I'd have fun with Glacier, even though I'm afraid of northern teams because I feel like you might burn them on your season on bad weather. I just I want Ogden just so that way I can stop getting photo dump IG posts. <laughs> just to fix the Instagram account. That's a fair point. I'm, go, I love I'm that. going there just to fire the whoever's running the Instagram. Just like there was a story I saw a while ago, like it was on Twitter, I think, about some guy who like got a job at this tech company and like. Went through the process, got hired on, fixed a bug in the system day one, and quit. He was oh, like, hey, I yeah, used this thing. Like, that would be the vibe. Yeah. I'll take it over to fix the Instagram. Just like, look, we uh, can't be If doing anybody this wants no to go, dude, if anyone in the Ogden area wants to do social media, well, we will pay part of your salary to do, to take the pay cut to go do their social media. Because obviously, the only thing they're paying, I want to do it now. So they might not want to pay you. <laughs> But like it needs oh, to get fixed. Like oh, I'm dead serious yeah. about this. My feed already is like a congested nightmare from April through October. We can't be doing this. We cannot for be league, doing this. For league that seems to have a basic understanding of how marketing and branding works, it throws me off that they don't say something about this. I mean, like, they do, and they're just like, but like. I don't know. Great up. I also, may just text Tyler halfway through the year and go, can you please tell Ogden to stop doing this? Oh, we should talk to him about that. Oh, well. Um, I will say... Tyler, hit us do, up in the DMs. We need to discuss this. I'm going to do... Uh, we can move off this in a second, but this is obviously a question we both love. But um, I don't know. Your actors are going to see and da-da-da-da. Trying to figure out what they were named for. Like, there must have been some sort of discovery out there that caused this to be a dinosaur-themed team. Um, 
I my suggestion, and maybe it doesn't work as well on the east side of the Great Lakes, but would like to steer into something like attached to like the test. They have so many testing ranges out there. Like they should have steered into something like that. Like in my opinion, like something like fighter jet or like test weapon related something funny like that they, there's room for creativity there i think they could do isn't now a raptor oh no that's the pickup truck i thought like a raptor at one point was also like a fighter jet um yeah yeah lockheed martin f-22 raptor yeah hello i know my maybe we're, we're probably in too deep on this huh but um yeah we are but like i still. do think it, it's something to think on that's all that's what i'm saying all right. Well, whilst I'm also, uh, digging yeah. through the the history of the name here, we'll go ahead and go to the next question here. You've just been appointed Atlantic League Commissioner and have been given unlimited power within reason. What is your 90-day plan out of the gate? Clean up the messes, cut bait, expansion, etc. Communications fixed immediately. Got to yeah. do it. Got to start figuring that out. Um can't have sloppy social media that drops off and reappears based on who's hired. We're hiring a dude to do that full-time, a full-time communication. That's ridiculous. Manager. It's we're ridiculous not, that there is not. Yeah, we're not doing this BS where it's like, okay, we're drawing straws here at the winter meeting to see who's going to be sending up press releases this year. Also, we're going to start okay. to do a better job of cleaning up that press list because I'm on it and then I'm not on it, then I'm on it. Like, Can I just get some consistency on this, please? Sounds like they're in the process of cleaning up constantly then. Now, I will point out, sorry, Ogden, that they have that amazing mountain view and straight behind Dead Center Field is the Mormon Temple out there. Hilarious. Um, so I would, okay, communication one. Because you can do that without all the other teams, realistically. Um, and then that communication person has to work on standardizing some things. Um, that is a them problem at that point. We'll do, um, got to either get out of the flow sp- We'll probably get it out of the flow sports deal if it's optional, if it's possible. If it's not possible, then it's I want to know what the, what the terms of that contract are first, as in what's the payment structure? Was it one lump sum up front or is it an annual payment? What's required of it? How much flexibility do I have? I'd like to try to renegotiate it if I could. I'm not inherent, mm-hmm. like as much as I hate it from a fan perspective and a growth perspective, I understand that it does have some value. So, in that sense, I'm open to renegotiating it. But that said, I need to get some favorable terms and I want to kill it. And if I'm in charge of the league, I mean, hopefully that means I'm not there like a commissioner is in the way of like my job depends on the owners liking me. Because mm-hmm. the big thing would be a portion of the buy-in every year that gets uh, paid to the league from the the owners should go into a pot for standardizing and raising the level of certain things. So that would include um, perhaps player housing, broadcasts, and the field, uh, just to name some things off the top of my head, um, just to raise the quality across the board. Some teams will not need the money from one thing, but will need it from the other, whatever. And certain teams are not going to get as much out of that as others, but that's what it is. And the thing I'll hold, I would hold over their head is in if this is not, running smoothly within two to three years there's we're going to hold off expansion for a couple of years because it's the owners that get their pockets lined off a lot of the expansion stuff mm. um and with that there's no need for expansion right now yeah i they would need say to figure it out 
figure it out. I would say if they expand, it has to be into a frontier league market because a team wants to come there. And that's the only opportunity. That's the only thing I would say is okay. Yeah. Quick aside from the conversation, we do have the history Mm -hmm. of the Ogden Raptors name. Just sent you an article with that. Um, Nice. Long and short is they were going to be called the trappers. Then they did a name, the team contest and a 10 year old girl snipped the name Raptors. And then the team did a little bit of research and capitalized on the Jurassic Park craze because this was right around the time the movie came out. And they were like, you know what? There's a dinosaur park here in Ogden. Utah's renowned for archaeological finds around dinosaur fossils. We're the Raptors now. And she has lifetime uh, season tickets, too, by the way. Great. She can continue to enjoy those. We're renaming the team. It's going to be something wild. Uh, yeah. Yes, in any case, um, yeah, no, I agree with the expansion point, though, where there's no real yeah. reason to to keep doing this. I also think we're ending the practice of putting teams on hiatus. I think that's just radically stupid. What are we doing? Yep. Yeah, you're killing the branding there, and then more importantly, you're putting a team on hiatus and then putting another team in that's less than, like, what, 50 miles away, 70 miles away? So, mm-hmm. practically speaking, right in their territory, we're putting a team there. Frankly put, I know we have markets that work, but there's a lot that are kind of clumped together. Let's either spread it out or become more clumped. Okay. Like we don't need to have this extended Mm -hmm. travel burden. I'm kind of okay if we lose a market or two, but obviously that looks bad. I just think that overall, we need to get back to the point of none of the rules agreements, none of this bull. Let's get back to getting the best players in and having more of a competitive buy-in. I think more selective on the ownership process is something I'd like to do too. Vet them yeah. better because it, yeah. it turns bad very quickly. And I need to know that more than anything else, philosophically speaking, everybody's in agreement. We mm-hmm. can adjust and go to scale as far as what financial means are. Obviously, you need to be able to run the team and fund the team fully within reason for I'd say at least three to five years at the time of purchase. I need to see that, but it's still a paramount um, piece of priority to me to know that you're on the same page as the other owners in this league and that we're all in agreement. Okay. We're here to put the best product on the field in markets that are of high quality in good population centers, and that's where our commitment is to. And that if you're not willing to make that commitment, you're going to be leaving. I'd be down for that. I want to set that tone early on. Often the communication, like you mentioned, something that needs to be cleaned up. I would also say we need to clean up the overall transactions and the way that's done. There's too much of a mess Mm -hmm. that's not standardized enough. We need to standardize that a little bit better. And it makes it seem shady. Exactly. I want more transparency on that. I would also like within that 90-day period to bring in some communication specialists to really say, all right, what's the best way to show transparency and show that we are less of a minor league organization and more of something that runs adjacent to MLB where we are still playing games that mean something. We are playing to win the game. We're not playing to develop. We're here to provide a good and fun product, but these guys are high-quality ball players that are trying to win a championship and trying to move on to the next level. Yeah. What's the we best are option way? one if yeah. you are not in MLB. We are. Exactly. It is, I want to, like you tell your agent to contact the Langley teams and then every other league. That would be the goal. Exactly. So with that, 
I want to come up with a communication plan that while not required for every team, because each team should know their own market well enough to not need that or not require that or, you know, generally have it hinder them. I still want to use that guideline as a way of shaping official, you know, communication among teams. If you're doing a transaction, I'd like to see either on a daily or weekly basis, here's the transactions we made. I'd like to see more graphics posted by the teams. I'd like to see more of an engagement there. Overall, I think what I'd be doing mostly in that 90-day period is just creating guidelines, creating standardization processes for league activities, and just generally doing cleanup work and worrying about the roster of teams and roster of players later on. I feel like if you clean everything up, you make it well run, you make it transparent for fans, but also show the if you come to this league and you're a good ball player that has experience, you will not be long for this league. And even if you are here, there are viable career paths that do not include just playing baseball here, but you can coach here, you can move to a front office role here, you can do a lot of things here. We're not just strictly a baseball league. We're a career generation league, which plays very well to players, especially higher level guys that are probably in their late 20s, early 30s that are starting to realize, hey, it probably isn't going to happen for me or I'm not going to get back there. So I may have a couple years left in me. I want to get my money and then I want to have a viable career path to go to afterwards. So that's mainly what I'd be doing in that 90 day period. Yeah, I think it's a good call. Um, The only thing that I would maybe add is, um, you know, if it is seeming like unrealistic to require sacrifice of ownership, the thought is the short-term sacrifice is going to be long-term benefits, strengthening the league product, which will in turn make more money in the way of new expansion opportunities and also just stronger business going forward. So it'll be long-term profit. And any owner that has an issue with that, they needs to be looked at further because either one, they are not able to pay bills short-term, which is a concern, and B, or B, they're in it to make money quick, in which case that's not what this league is for. This isn't an investment league. This is an ownership league, is how I would try to angle it. Mm. Okay. I think we did right by the question there. Um, yeah, sure. yeah, moving on, uh, how much salary range do managers and coaches make in the various leagues at various team to team? Mm. Various team to team, for sure. What roles do you have in addition to being a hitting coach or a manager? Are you a manager that's also director of player ops? Are you a hitting coach that's also a player? Are you, you know, also like head of analytics? Are you, what other titles do you have that they could justify and what other responsibilities do you have? Can they justify paying you more or can they justify paying you less is essentially what it comes down to. Yeah, that's a lot of it. Um, And there's fluctuation. I mean, if you've done, if you're doing baseball operations as well, for the most part, it seems to be right around the 90K range plus seems to be what guys are getting in like the American and Atlantic. Uh, I don't have a ton of insight elsewhere on what's going on. Um, Yeah, it's tough to get a solid number on that because I do think there is just a lot of fluctuation on it. And that also fluctuation creates hesitancy of people broadcasting what exactly is being paid. So um, I think low end for the top couple leagues i don't see many managers making less than 60 Hmm. um 
but I've seen them making over a hundred. Yeah. So I think it also depends on who you are too. There. Yeah. That is a guy exactly like Rick right. Jody's not going to be paid too. the same as a guy like, uh, Oh, can I say that's not going to be totally disrespectful. Oh, uh, a newer guy. I mean, one, of the, be, the, yeah. one of the new guys in the pioneer league. Yeah. I mean, that's understandable. It's yeah. a smaller market, smaller budgets, and it's a guy with less experience. Like, yeah, yeah I mean, I would expect, and it also depends on how valuable you are. Like, yeah. I, oddly, like I, I would, I, I'm the one I, I'm thinking of is I'm very interested to see what Mark got in Hagerstown mm-hmm. uh, because Hagerstown won. I mean, getting a guy for all the reasons we talked about earlier in the pod, it, it's a big deal to get a guy like him at the point that they did lock him down. And it did sound like the way they seem to be talking, at least is like they got their guy. But it, it seemed to me there weren't many other options out there with the specific qualifications that or make him valuable to a Hagerstown. Uh, but at the same time, he's coming from Empire State. So like, it's not like yeah. he had a ton of other options. And, and that is, it depends on your market too. Yeah. Is it, like this year, there were some big teams looking for managers. Like some of the top level indie ball teams were looking for managers. Uh, and we knew they were looking for the best. Other years, it's like a guy gets like, oh, he's like, well, okay, there's three teams in the carousel right now. wondering where I'm going to end up. Like, I think yeah. that changes it as well. Also, the situation for each team also is very important here. A group like Tri-City is going to be looking for something a lot different than a group like, say, Lake Country. Very good point, yes. So that that also affects the salary. So it depends, but there's your range. Uh, We had a question asking for dates for future tryouts and showcases in the Mid-Atlantic region. Uh, don't have exact dates, but if you check most of the scouting orgs, they shed that out fairly soon. Likewise, I'm pretty sure we're going to start getting to the point in the year where each league is going to have their own uh, tryout period. I would also just stay up to date with each of the Mid-Atlantic region teams. They normally will announce a local tryout in the days leading up to uh, the season for a last second shot at it. Obviously, closer to the season you get to, probably not going to make that opening day roster, but if you do well and you ball out, hey, there's always the need for a last-minute addition, especially if you're a pitcher, then anything could happen there. But specific dates, I don't really think there's too many that are announced at this point. Yeah, agreed uh, on all fronts there. I, I'm actually, I don't have much to add on this one, so I will say... Number one thing is whatever opportunity, whatever opportunity you're going to, if you're thinking about going to a trial or something like that, just ask yourself, do we feel like this is going to create a good opportunity to like end up on just end up on the short list? Just get a call to get a shot when a team needs a guy, even if they don't sign you right out of the camp. Because if it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, some coaches might be here, some might not, and you don't really have a chance to even like chat with anybody, you it might not be worth the opportunity. That's the only warning I'd give. Um, yeah, and then that's a really good circle. Point, yeah. No, I'm, I'm I will circle back around. Yeah. So it was something irrelevant. So you go, you go. Okay, yeah. The only thing I was going to add on top of that, just to build off of that, is that yeah. you do want to do your research on each of these trials. A lot of them are not free. Pretty much all of them aren't free. And normally they carry a fairly decent cost to it. Some of them aren't too bad. It's like between 50 and 150, which really isn't that bad. But other ones are 500 plus and if you're a dude that's trying to pursue baseball odds are you don't have too much disposable income to work with so if you spend you know 500 dollars on a two-day tryout or a one-day tryout and it winds up being hey there's three coaches here 
that really don't have any pull or guys that aren't related to an organization at all and you drop $500 on that and they don't have a track record of moving guys on or they don't have a positive reputation, whatever it may be, that could be $500 that are out the window and that could be two or three other tryouts you could have went to and had better results at. So make sure you do your research on it before you actually sign up for this because a lot of times it does cost a little bit of money and uh, it's a non-refundable check. So you're just kind of SOL if things go wrong. Yeah, and honestly, a lot of managers and baseball operations people do check their email and like we'll see if you send them something and we'll at least peek at it because it's not it costs nothing to take a peek at an email. So mm-hmm. might as well also take that shot if, while you're at it. If you're going to spend that much money, you should also maybe send some emails too while you're at it. Yeah. If they recognize the name on the sheet, they may look longer at the name. That's also true. Yeah, good point. Yeah. I mean, yeah, wait, that's a good point, by the way. If you yeah. go and if you sign up for a a tryout or a, a showcase, it, it's not a bad idea if you know exactly who's going to be there from certain teams to like reach out ahead and say, hey, I'm going to be there. Here's some info just so you have it in advance, yeah. but look forward to seeing you and meeting you. And then you might even have a conversation in already. So yeah. hang on. Awesome. Yeah. I will say, though, don't be an ass kiss, okay? Coach oh, yeah. No, when that's we're not that. Yeah. Yeah, just say, like, literally, I mean, my suggestion, I used to work with kids, and my suggestion was always, sentence one, tell people what you want in the email. Like, say, you know, hey, my name is, and then be like, I'm just saying, hey, to introduce myself. And then there it is. Say what you're going to say, and peace. Like, We're going out to the next question, which is, think the Stan Island Fairyhawks are going to make it. Worried this is the last year. Love them. Well, I'm glad to say there are Fairyhawk fans. That's a good sign. Right. Define making. Yes. Yeah. That, that's that's exactly the question. Right. Do you mean continue to exist as an Atlantic League team? Perhaps thrive in the Atlantic League? More doubtful. Now, thrive yeah. and say like the Frontier League. Now we're now we can have a conversation. I think that's a very legitimate thing. I think as an organization, I think absolutely they can survive. I've seen online a weird discourse where it seems like because they're on like the wrong part of the island, the bottom part or the top part doesn't support them. Like it's very regionalized in such a small area. Um, I think that's just kind of BS. I think you could really unite the whole thing and have everyone buy in if you know right. you did more grassroots work on you know the various communities on Stanton Island, and uh, more importantly, if you had a better product i think overall people would show up for it uh yeah fix the problem i talked about this when i was in lexington there's certain things where it's like you can or can't fix it and you have to understand what you're talking about when you're using as an excuse like oh well you know it's cold in our market for the first month of the year you're right there's nothing you can do to fix that you can just work with it when people like me would say well it's not a baseball town i'd be like it's your job to make it a baseball town like when they're like all oh, people from this side of the island just don't really mess with it it's like then make them then every friday night is like those towns night and you give out tickets to people over there and like make it easy make it so easy to go that it's easier to that's harder to not go like yeah i don't know i don't i'm speaking we're, out of an ignorance box saying, we're not talking about tuscaloosa on a saturday in the fall here that you're competing with here yeah, like yeah obviously it, you're gonna exactly. lose to the tide it's not UK on like 
the first day of March Madness here. Now, granted, that's not always guaranteed they're playing, but still, you know. Or they're not going to get upset, which was a tough scene when I was then town. Good Lord. Um, but, but yeah, yeah, yeah but yeah, still. It's different. Fight for every ticket, man. Like, and I'm not saying they're not trying. That's not at all what I'm trying to put through there. I'm just saying, like, I do think at times at a bunch of teams in Staten Island specific, there is an idea of like, well, what are you going to do? It's like, well, some things it's, what are you going to do? Some things, some things it's, you, you need to do something. You need to start figuring it out. Continuing. Um, I, I'm, I'm feeling the way you're feeling. I think they survive. I think they might not necessarily be long for the Atlantic league, which I think is not necessarily a bad thing for them. Um, yeah. I'm not sure the market is, I think the people who won't go now because of the, quote quality of play as if it's not any better than what they had there before which it is well, certainly better um yeah good lord um weird how many times i've seen that opinion oh it's not minor league you're an idiot um the those people aren't going to go anyway so you're not chasing anybody really away by going frontier league which is is a step down talent less uh, for the most not every hey there's some of you listening think womp okay on the whole the teams are not as good yeah, let's take a breath. Um, that's fine. I think that'd be a good move. I think, and and now this is the other thing I need to address because I'm going to get it in the DMs again. Every time I say something like that, somebody speaks up and it's always somebody different, which is funny and interesting. To be like, there's no way they leave the Atlantic League. You don't know. Everything's going great here. I know people in the front office. Okay, I've heard from people on the league side. I've heard from people on the team side. I've heard from people in the clubhouse. I've heard from people who have thought about going there. I've heard from people on other league sides now. So we're going to say over 10 different people independently have been like, yeah, like people are looking at Staten Island. Staten Island's looking to make a move once their contract is up. So, okay, it could be a rumor that everyone is passing along in circles, but I'm saying it's the rumor. I'm not saying it's the fact. I'm saying it's the rumor. If that many people are saying it. Good Lord. Yeah, smoke, there's fire is all I'm saying. Now that we can freely say that and I'm out of the way of the DMs I want to get, I would say, yeah, I don't think the team understands enough or is capable. Maybe that is, maybe the max for there is they, they can't make enough money to justify how much it costs to be in the Atlantic League, which is possible and fine. Try, no shame in it. Tri-City seems to have done their math and decided that the Frontier League is the place for them. Uh, I would invite Staten Island to take that same look, and I think that's what they're doing. Um, and with that, I think that, Will, if you are not having to dump as much money year after year into the league and into the players on the field, because we have done the math before, it is, um, I mean, what, it's like, it's a significant, it's not like 100K usually in, in like difference. That is quite a bit of marketing you can now afford. Um, that is quite a lot of uh, upgrades you continue to put into your stadium. There's ways that frees you up. So I'm not saying when we say we think they'll be around, but not in the Atlantic League, it's not like, oh, they're going to fall out of the, they're, you know, they're the not going to fail out falling. of the Atlantic League. It's just, they're it's, shifting. They're going to find a, probably a spot that's better for them financially. Yeah, yeah exactly. That, sorry that was so long-winded, but it, that has been a very uh, uh, temperamental conversation every time I bring it up, I feel like. And see, so the thing is, when you said try to remind me, they've even said before in the Frontier League, we need to draw about 3,000 a game. We got to average it. I believe 3,000. Yes. Said. Yeah. yeah. So I, I think you're right. If you have to average 3,000 to make the number you have to make in the Frontier League, that's a lower cost league. How much higher is it in a higher overall 
cost of operation area in Staten Island in a more expensive league. What's the number? Is it 35? Is it four? Is it four and a half? Is it 5,000 fans a game that you have to draw on average to survive? Keep in mind, there's more games in that league too. And you got to try to sell them because every day that ballpark is empty, it costs the same to run it no matter what. So whether that's 100 people there or 1,000 people there or 2,500 there, it's costing you the same. So just saying more empty nights means higher expenses and further into the red. So it's not a bad thing. Not to mention, mm-hmm. culturally speaking, their only real rival in the Atlantic League is Lang Island from a geographic yeah. and culture standpoint. And Lang Island does not seem to have, have any interest in the continued existence of Staten Island. So yes, if you could go to the Frontier League where you'd have New Jersey, Sussex County, New York, and Tri-City all there, plus, I mean, Brockton's not really, but it's kind of. You have areas there where it's like, you know what? Actually, this this kind of fits better culturally, not to mention if we go to 20 and there's a pod system there, the two New Jersey teams mm-hmm. with, you know, Rockland, that's basically a New Jersey team. They're 15 minutes over the line. So, and Staten Island, that might as well be a New Jersey team, too. They're like, again, not that far from New Jersey. Mm-hmm. They're all, that's a perfect division there. Low travel expenses, regionality, all of it fits really well together. Just saying, it works really, yeah. really well. Dude, 100%. I, I agree completely. I think it is. It, they're a team where it's the right move for them to probably jump like that. I would say Charleston's probably the same thing. Um, limited market size, small ballpark. There's only so much money you can make in a night. Uh, I think it just makes more sense to do the Frontier League if you're them too. I think they know that, and I think they're going that way also, though another one people have DM'd me about and said I don't know what I'm talking about. Who's y'all's top 10 active indie ball managers as of the 2023 oh, season? Jesus. I remember act. who asked that question too, and they're going to be so happy you gave that reaction. Pulling up my list here. See, I don't. It's oh. going to be a mess. Yeah, okay. I don't know. I don't know that I can do off the top of my head. That might even be a next week thing. Yeah, honestly, I feel week. like we. How about this? Give me a week. I will come back next week with my top 10 active indie ball managers. I was even going to say, I'll give you a longer than a week, and we'll just lump it into the coaching video. Or coaching that uh, video episode. Yes. We'll go through yeah, all dude. the teams and everything, and then at the very end, we'll rank the top 10. Dude. Yeah, love it. Absolutely. Right. Yeah, we'll, so let's get we'll it on do. the calendar, though, so we don't completely be like, it, it's like pre, about to be the season. We're like, oh, shoot, we're going to do that. All right, yeah. Once we wrap up with this, we'll put it on the calendar. I feel like that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, moving forward. Do you, this is a callback to earlier when you were starting talking about, yeah, I can see the American Frontier going together at some point. Here's the question. Do you think sometime in the future the Frontier League will part ways with Can-Am teams and possibly merge with the American Association? I can see that going mm-hmm. both ways, to be quite honest. You know, like, mm-hmm. on one hand, yeah, I could kind of see it, but, like, at the same point in time, who's the driving force in that league now? Is it still the more you know, Western teams, or is it the Eastern teams? Uh, and, yeah, uh, that's a great point. Uh, that's kind of the flip on a little bit on what I was going to say. I'm not necessarily they're saying they're the driving force, but if you're the Frontier League, which stretches essentially across 
um, suburban to rural PA, call it, um, through the like suburban Ohio range all the way out and then down the Midwest. How nice is it to have a foothold in like the Northeast? Like with yeah. one, like some solid Canadian, like Canadian towns like Ottawa and Quebec, but then also right around the tri state. Like, I mean, the Atlantic League, we've, I mean, we've talked before, we're shocked that the Atlantic League let the New Jersey markets get away. And it made sense that basically their replacement for that would be Staten Island because it is, that is a big market. And they used to dominate it, and now they don't. And I think it it was a huge move by the Frontier League to get themselves into that market and start getting something there. And also, keeping something in the East allows for greater opportunity for the future expansion that we've talked about in the past, because there are cities that they might like that they then can't get to if they don't have the foothold in that one area that's sort of a link. Then also comes the question of would Tri City ever let that happen? I don't think so. I, I don't think they ever. I think Can Am addition has only ever been a good thing. I, everyone we've talked yeah. to has talked about it, how it's been a good thing. So I, I don't think that's it. But I think the greater merge with the American Association is more likely than people would think. I haven't heard that from anyone, but it just it makes sense on so many different levels. Their their budgets aren't far off from each other. Their talent levels aren't far off from each other. Their markets are not far off from each other. It would allow for multiple pods, tons of divisions, shortened travel. Like I, I think it is, it would really, and considering they're both, in my view, unsuccessfully chasing down the Atlantic League, I think it would becoming a, oh God, math is so hard, a 28, probably 30 team indie league stretching from the Northeast and Canada all the way to like Missouri, even if teams aren't necessarily doing that travel is one way to really apply pressure to that Atlantic League claim of being the top indie league. Yeah. I can see it. What? Like here's the thing, like the merger <laughs> here's the thing. Like I just think that each league is very happy being their own thing. I can see I different yes. markets sliding through. I think the biggest problem is the Canon and the Frontier are the most similar of the two. And they already merged. And I feel like the American Association and the Frontier League won't go together because I think there's just a different gap on both expenditures and overall outcome goal. Where the American Association very much has the goal of being the undisputed champion right now. Right now, they're a disputed champion at best. Because there is an argument you can make that they're better than the Atlantic you're not going to get laughed out of the room for trying to make that argument. There's okay. a claim for it. I think it's a closer conversation that someone want to realize between the two. I don't think the Frontier League has any desire to really get into that fight. I think they're kind of like have resigned themselves to, hey, we're cool being the one that's like below you guys. We're mm-hmm. very content with that. I'll put it like this. They don't have any desire to fight with the Big Ten or the SEC. They're very happy being the Big 12. Okay, yeah. And that that's kind of how I view that. Now, as far as splitting off, I don't think the Northern teams would leave. They have no incentive to leave. And the Frontier League has yeah. even less incentive to get rid of them. So I, I don't see that being the case there. And it just feels like, especially given the logistics of it, any sort of a merger between both the American and the Frontier 
would really just exist in name only. And what you'd have to give from a practical perspective makes it just unlikely. I don't, I just don't see that as a viable mean. I feel, like I said, though, I do think some teams would consider that jump. I absolutely believe that. But as a league on a yeah. whole to merge, I, I don't buy that. I think there's also the potential for some sort of conversation between the American and Frontier that would ease some transition between the two for teams as long as it was seen as equitable for all parties. But that's a different conversation. Yeah, um, I, just because the expansion has gotten a little troublesome. I think we might see that in a more sincere way if Cleburne, something were to happen to Cleburne. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know. We'll see. But um, uh, yeah, that's all I got on that without going too far in. But I think that's more or less the main thing. Yeah. Yeah, right. Cool news. We only have five questions left. That's pretty cool. Good oh, Lord, we really went long on this. My bad. Good this luck always winds up going long for whatever reason. I don't I know. know. I should know. But uh, with the new ownership group in Joliet, do you think the Slammers will be top two in the league for attendance? Top two is a tall ask. Oh yeah, hold on here. Um, and certainly not in year one. Back. Too much work to do year one. Year three, Good four, Lord, no. five. I think we could have that conversation, but it'll take at least one year to to just to get laid land. Yeah. yeah. Now they're not far out, by the way. They are uh, fifth right now. Fifth. Okay. Hold on. I'm pulling up but, the league. But to get so. top, so to get top two would require an additional 800 people per game. I think in two games that's doable. Oh, yeah, doable yeah. I don't. Okay. I'll admit, oh. Schaumburg is at a gap in my awareness because I didn't see as many Schaumburg games. So I probably should have this year. Um, is a real number? That, yeah. Right. That's what I'm looking at. I mean. They're the only mm. one to even come close to 200,000, much less exceed it. I mean, like, and in only 51 openings, I don't know if I believe that. Yeah, that's 4,500 per game. Um, I don't buy that. Next year? No, they won't be top three in attendance. Year after that, or top two, my mistake. Year after that, I could kind of see it. Um, there's just a lot of marks with potential to growth in there too, I see. There's a lot of, you know, meat on the bone, let's call it. I think Rockland's number could go up there. I'm gonna keep calling him Rockland because it works better than New York. Uh I think Quebec's number could go up. It looks like Schaumburg, as we've just spent on that detour, is inflating those numbers there. So that's always good to see. Tri City, I think, could go up. That also could very easily go down with Taggart's records. Um yeah, I think the Yalls, if they were better, they could probably go up too. Evansville's probably capped a little bit there. Wild things, again, I think they could probably go up a little bit. There's a lot of teams here that I think could go up a little bit. They could glow up, as one may say. But um, <laughs> overall, I think it's a realistic goal in, say, three to five years. You give them three to five years to get the lay of the land, start to implement a plan, and then really get a feel for everything. I think that's realistic then. Yeah, I agree. I got really actually almost nothing to add on that one because I, I do agree. Not this year, but there is potential for the years coming up. Yeah. It's not a bad base to work with, again, assuming that assuming the Joliet number is accurate. We've analyzed Schaumburg a little bit. but yeah. right. uh, Next one. Uh, who do you think will be managing the Joliet Slammers in 2024? Uh, we want to toss that just to the coaching carousel episode or take a stab at it? Um... 
Yeah, I think so. I think we'll go coaching carousel on that one. All right. So stay tuned for that one. That's coaching carousel. That's and then that brings up the final three questions. Uh, most underrated moment from the past season. Oh, I know mine. Um, All right, go right for it. I like. I because uh, I was thinking about like we had some really good championship series going on, but yeah. I, I think that it's hard to be underrated once a championship. So I'm going to that Frontier League Quebec, not Quebec. Uh, was it the Quebec game? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Um, Quebec Jersey, where they had the rain out. So they had the weird like oh, Monday yeah. game. Yeah, that yeah. The Jackals the walked the Jackals off. Got it, yeah. And it was and like, it was I right, they were a couple outs away from it being a complete game as it was in Quebec would have taken it. Yeah, dude. Um, and the broadcast was so funny, like shouting out like individual people that were there like, oh, like so-and-so, the former trainer is here and like, oh, and there's Matt down there. Like it was a funny vibe. It was a good energy. They embraced it. Like the teams were fun. They yeah. And it, it was electric, dude, because remember that Quebec yeah. Jackal series, we felt like could be the championship and it could have been. Have. Yeah. Um, and well, they were back and forth all season. The Jackals went in really confident. They had lost a bunch to the Quebec, but they were like, yeah, but we got them. Like, there was no doubt. And Quebec was, I think they picked up on that, and they're like, all right, like, we'll see. And They're just like, all right, I, we thought it's going to be a sweep. I guess we could do it in three. And it's two teams with a good energy. Like, the Quebec's got yeah. that good grinder energy, and, like, yeah. Jersey's got, the like, a really, like, they were, like, loud. They were celebrating. So that pimped home run is one of the best all time going those two homers late. Like, Oh, it was a great one. Great game. Yeah, uh, and a great then series. A chaotic ending. That moment was so good with that walk off. And then uh, of course, Quebec come back to win it too. It's great. Cause if I'm honest, I also wouldn't have loved if Quebec lost that series after the weird, the, yeah. the weirdness of that one. It was a little weird if it were to determine the winner of the series, but it was a great way to kick off that series, man. It was fun. Yeah. I'm going to go to the, I believe it was the Gateway Evansville game when we were recording as it was finishing yes. up and we had the home runs back to back and it was just like, oh, mm-hmm. shit. it was just like an epic flurry. Oh, damn, who hit the bomb that we were talking about? And then I remember I was live tweeting it as we were recording and just like, yeah, so this game's gone out of control. <laughs> so this is a mess now. I love yeah, it. We're just like, um, they swung yeah. so hard and so quickly. Realistically, I'd go almost with that series just because of how, like, we kind of thought like Gateway's the team to beat out there. Sure, it'll be a good effort and a good fight coming from, you know, Evansville. They're a scrappy little team, but they got their, you know, they got as far as they're going to get. And then they just kept winning and they just kept mm-hmm. going. And so yep. they really had a nice little miracle run there. And so overall, I, I think I'm going to go with that. I think that's game in particular, though, with all the home runs is the one to really win it overall. I'm going to try and find it here. And if I find which game it was and who was involved, then I'll, bring it back to that but we'll kick it over to best stadium experience which is the penultimate question for this q a as i do my looking i've said before i love charleston mm-hmm. i charleston's maybe my favorite place to see a game in indie ball there it was for obvious reasons i don't really go back at this point and i also don't really endorse it 
mm. um, with uh, some with management there, and and frankly, I think some I, I cannot vouch for the quality of the product. Um, I mean, Lancaster's fantastic, dude. Lancaster's yeah. they've won ballpark of the year for the partner leagues multiple times. Lost it this year, which was surprising, but I do get Glacier as a good park. Um, it's a great ballpark, great atmosphere. Strong recommend on stopping in Lancaster if you have a chance. That is not to say anything, by the way, about York. York is a funny energy. A lot of people will not be into York's ballpark, but I like it. There are no bad seats. Um, one of those one. Now there's some bad seats, actually. They got the Fenway vibe where like the last section's going down the line and wrap around to face home, which is all cool, which is good. But like any action yeah. to your right, you kind of lose. So that's kind of funny. But it just, it, it, I love the old school feel jammed into the, the town, uh, the wall and left. Another, uh, it just, I, I don't know. I have fun. I like that place. Uh, but for me, I mean, sitting in Lancaster, you know, hanging out there, you watch from the the walkway out in right field. We actually did record the pod there the one night, and yeah, then, yeah. you know, fin- finishing up the game, we watching the last eighth or ninth inning. Uh, sitting out in left field uh, on the like random benches they have underneath the burn, uh, yeah, right against the, the wall. You can sit there and make- yeah, dude. And if like if I'm not going to sit, like if I'm not looking to talk to anybody post game, like I'll just like if I'm not set up to like talk to a player manager on my way out the door, like you know, I'm just trying to beat traffic. Like I'll just. I'm that as that fly ball to end the game is being caught, I'm like walking up the burn already and I'm I'm out. Like I don't know, I love it. It's a great ballpark experience. Um my only note is food could use a little work there, but but I uh I just love I love that. And and the people there uh, uh the kind of people I get a kick out of. So yeah, that's that's my long short on Mikester. I, I'm I'm a sucker for it. It's a basic boy answer, I know that, but like <laughs> something about something about a horse and buggy parked up front, man. This gets me. I'm trying to think because I didn't get to do many ballparks this year. So I may have to just default to like one. Like I always like going to Sussex too because especially with the corn and like it's kind of set back and everything. It almost has like a feel of the dreams look and vibe to it. And it's always kind of fun and and nice to go there. You got the minor man. It's always got the the get up on. It always just kind of like got that energy and whatnot. You're kind of close to everything too. So you get a feel of both the crowd, the booth, and the field. So I always mm-hmm. like that too. Generally, they've honestly like made the experience overall better to ran than they have in the past. So I like that. I'm kind of tempted to say Rockland too, though, because that ballpark is still one of the nicer ballparks in Indie Ball. It really is nice. Let's end this Q&A. We got one question left. It's a late question. Just saw it this morning. It got added in. And here it is. What's the future of Wally Backman? Where does he end up? That's a great question because like, there's a lot of different ways that that could go. He's going to manage. I mean, some of the places he's managed, he's, I mean, it shows he's in it. Like he, he's, he's not, in, he's not in it for the glamour, dude. Like he's, he's an indie ball guy. Um, He's committed to the, the question is, dude. Yeah, though. So the question is, where's he going to end up? Um, I could see him taking a year. Um, yeah, that makes sense. I mean, I, I don't know that. I think it's unlikely he ends up in any of the current openings, unless, unless could yes, see him man. show up. Depending on the owners, we could see him show up in Gastonia. I mean, it would make some sense, no? Experience, I mean, I think he, dude, if he's going to something this late, yeah, it would have to be Atlantic League. He's going to still sign up for something late. I don't see him going to like Joliet or something. 
How fun would it be um, though if he did? <laughs> would be. I'm interested. Oh, Why well, is no one, one I'm interested in? Uh, he's one I'm interested in because you hear a lot of good and a lot of bad about Wally. I think, I think it comes down character. to he. Damn right, and that's fine. Like if you got a, if you got the right mix of guys who are Wally guys, it's going to go well. Um, it's just making sure he's got the right crop of people around him and let it go. I mean, it, you can't get away with saying that he's a bad dude or a bad manager at this point. He's been around so long that he's had plenty of opportunities for people to be like, "We're tired of it." Um, and he hasn't. So it, the way things ended in Long Island felt weird. It felt like he was a little checked out. So that's why I wouldn't be surprised if he wouldn't be down to take a year or two and then come back. But I uh, also wouldn't be super surprised if he goes somewhere warmer. So we'll also see. I think it's a year off for him. I don't think it's anything too appealing on the market here. Mm-hmm. And I think you wait and you see what you have to work from later on. That's pretty Great. much yeah, like that's the radio. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So the that that is thirty questions from the Q and A because originally there was thirty one, but there were duplicates. So that is that is all there is to say on that front. How about it? Yeah, I'm amazed we managed to get through it. That's right. awesome. Anything to say with the uh, last episode of the year? Yeah, man. Um, one, I'll do the plugs. Uh, right. I got Indie Nation on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. I uh, got a new video there with Jack Kelly from last week's episode. And from that, we do a little breakdown of sort of, uh, I guess the best way to say it is a tour of the Frontier League Savant page. And that was fun. Um, give a little insight into what's on there and how to use it from the man who put it there. So, you know, who else to get <laughs> the information from? Uh, yeah, beyond that, um got a new video coming out right after the new year on the youtube account as well so keep in mind you know you know keep uh, any donation in mind that'll be uh, i think released in podcast form too i'm pretty sure i, I gotta give it a listen to make sure it does work as an audio medium sometimes oh. I'll, I'll i'll slip up and be like oh, as you can see like or like something where it really doesn't make sense if you're not looking and i'm like well that's not really good podcast content but um this is so a I good podcast content, and we're still doing it. No, it's not. It hasn't stopped us. So, yeah. Other than that, man, I've had a lot of fun doing this, man. I'm glad that we're we're. I'm glad that I'm the co-host, man. Having fun. Yeah, no, I'm glad you jumped on because doing this solo for like the past six months would have been just horrendous for I everybody. Feel the pain. I do appreciate everyone that listens. This is going on to starting years. Year six. Yeah. I guess it would be because 19, 20, 21, 22, 23. Yeah, you're six starting next go around, which is kind of weird to think what's been going on this long. But um, yeah, appreciate everyone for tuning in. And we're going to keep going, going to keep striving, going to keep doing it. And uh, make sure you just keep following at Indie Ball Pod, Indie Ball Report everywhere. Yeah, so we got a lot cooking, a lot going on. And then obviously the season starts in April. So we continue the march. Was it about 14 weeks until the preview, 15 weeks until the preview, 16 until the season starts? Something like that. Just create a little bit of anxiety with me, but I'll be fine. Sorry, a lot of work to do, but it's okay. Don't worry, it sneaks up on you very quickly. It'll be great. And I feel like that's the best way to ring in the new year. And so on that note, Until 2024, don't forget to play ball.